Northside Connection, welcome back to the Ruthless Aggressive Podcast. Uh, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, as this is dropping right um, on the, not Christmas Eve, but the eve of Christmas, we'll say. But uh, rather than a white Christmas on this episode, I am going to have a first-time guest, and I will be having a great Christmas, because my guest on this episode is Ryan Gray. What's up, Ryan? Hey, man, what's going on? Not much, you know, um, we are... <laughs> You know, uh, in the holiday season, and it's kind of it's getting away now. It's more lined up with the timeline, but I, we're still pretty close in the O2 timeline. Yeah, um, we're in like Thanksgiving, and this is more Christmas, but a similar feeling here. As we're going to be covering the uh, the Thanksgiving week of uh, WWE and O2, and uh, we'll get to it. But it's going to be it's going to be interesting. I'm just thankful that the Christmas season is almost over. Right, <laughs> right. It's a uh, the best of times, worst of times, buying gifts and, and that sort of thing. Figuring out what to buy is always uh, like I find my kid is it's a it's a struggle now because like it's trying to figure out like what my kid doesn't have. Because I'm like, I feel like he has pretty much everything because he, you know, I don't know. I feel like when I was a kid, it was like my, you know, my big go to to get stuff that kind of had to last me. But like I feel like kids now kind of get stuff constantly. So it's maybe a little different. Yeah, it is definitely different. Um, don't worry, your wife will definitely find something and get them if it rings true to mine. <laughs> right, exactly. We'll we'll figure it out. Um, not hard to spend money, but uh, not at all. Anyway, since it is your first time, um, uh, based on something that you're you're gonna share with us towards the end of the show, I'm guessing O2, this whole ruthless aggression era, were you pretty locked in, Ryan? I have a feeling you were for some reason. Yeah, I was pretty locked in. I was in high school. This is 2002 is like my junior year. So um, we definitely watched SmackDown. I, you know, during thanks, uh, during spaghetti dinners for football, I would force everyone to put it on. And, <laughs> and, right. I, uh, and I would watch Raw 
on Monday nights, you know, or whatever. So it was still pretty easy to watch at that point in my life. And uh, I would say I was pretty locked in. Very good. Yeah, so we um, we we are right off of, of Survivor Series. We're a couple weeks removed at this point. But um, we, we have a lot to talk about, so we will dive in. Because I actually have quite a few news uh, tidbits. Some weeks are slower, but this one, we have quite a few here. Um, so we'll... We will we'll start writing them down, and you hop in if you have any comments, uh, Ryan. So this first one I found interesting because, um, you know, we hear a lot about all these, like, investor calls, I feel, nowadays because it's all over Twitter and stuff. But apparently they had them, I mean, back in this time. And so Meltzer kind of covers it and says, Linda McMahon had to face the investors this week and try to put a positive spin on the fact that WWE just suffered its first true money-losing quarter since 1997, they lost over $1.6 million in this past quarter due to money they were forced to pay for a lawsuit against the William Morris Agency and losses from WWE The World. Big shock there. But um, and the, the interesting part of this um, is that apparently during this, like, investor call, someone started grilling her about, like, uh, you know, why the company was doing bad. It kind of got into the nitty-gritty of, you know, the wrestling, like – who's on top and stuff and like uh you know like somebody asked it let's see i'm trying to find a question they're going to rename the restaurant blah blah blah. the primary focus um of the call was that triple h is being seen as like a top star and like they some the investor asked her wasn't that linda's daughter's boyfriend and um they did mention the necrophilia storyline argue that wwe's problems stem from terrible creative and so it he kind of says that this is you know one of the most critical questions they ever gotten in one of these things Linda defended Triple H, first claimed that Triple H and Steffi's relationship is new and thus cannot be credited for his main event push, even though I think the story on that is, you know, he was cheating on China at the time, so they've actually been together for a couple of years. Uh, Linda listed Triple H along with Lesnar, Shawn Michaels, and Scott Steiner as the big four stars. That is quite a, <laughs> a rundown, like <laughs> Steiner being in there. And then, you know, Shawn's just back. It's a weird rundown of the top stars. Um, but the investor responded saying Michaels, quote, is done, and that Steiner is just another washed up WCW guy, and that WWE isn't creating new stars. He said that while WWE is better off financially and WCW towards the end creatively, they are just as bad. So I just thought it was. Uh, pretty interesting that somebody wanted investor calls is like because i feel like these investor people probably are not always really you know up on what's actually happening it's just like a company that they invest in so it's it's funny to me to have somebody grilling linda mcmahon on the creative and these things it's kind of funny yeah it sounds like a an early investor was on the smarky side <laughs> right, right right but it, it, definitely interesting to look back on that you know what 20 years later almost yeah, Shawn Michaels being done is a funny one, considering where that would go. Almost um, as funny as Scott Steiner being a top four star for them. <laughs> right, right. Triple H, Lesnar, Shawn Michaels, and Scott Steiner. But um, she was also asked about uh, Steve Austin and said they've talked several times and they're, quote, good friends, but that she didn't know if he was ever coming back. Austin uh, made a public appearance later the same day. I was asked the same thing. He said WWE has been trying to get him to come back in January to build for WrestleMania, but he hasn't decided whether to do it or not yet. He talked about wanting to get his home life in order before he focuses on his comeback. JR did an interview uh, saying that he talks to Austin all the time and expects him back eventually. So this, I would say, as I've been going through this timeline and doing these kind of reading the backstage stuff, this is the first positive news I've seen going through these about 
Austin possibly returning. So you could see the first kind of seeds of him, like them maybe mending the fences. And at this point, it's been a really long time. I mean, he left yeah, in the spring. Yeah, good, like six months or so. But it finally seems like the two sides are starting to come together a bit. So we will see if he, if and when he shows up. Yeah, I want to say the first week in June, he had that match with Flair, and then he was gone the next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So they're finally getting back with him. Um, uh, we get a bunch of stuff about the World Wildlife Fund suing them for $360 million, which is an absurd amount of money, <laughs> which uh, – uh, the, the the reason I put this is apparently WWE put out a state. This is like very WWE calling it, quote, a Grinch like move to deny wrestling fans around the world the opportunity to receive wrestling products as Christmas gifts because they were trying to get them to take some video game off the shelf that had WWF on it or something. But just very funny that their official company statement is calling the, the uh, World Wildlife Fund Grinch like. This just cracks <laughs> me up. A little. <laughs> um, the uh, this is not wrestling related, but it's funny. The Fuji Network in Japan had a Bob Sap day on their channel. But just uh, apparently Japan was like, but I mean, I think he was big here too. But just shows like, I guess this was the heyday of like Bob Sap mania. <laughs> yeah, when's those rumors of him coming in? Two thousand five ish. So yeah, right. I can see that as the stars fallen. He, you know, this is his peak probably or whatever. From five thirty a.m. until seven p.m. that night. Just constantly Bob Sapp related programming and interviews and him cutting in the shows. Just <laughs> incredible. <laughs> um, Hulk Hogan is doing his book tour and it kind of shows the difference between Vince and Hogan. Privately, Vince has been telling anyone that he's done with Hogan, doesn't want him back, etc. But Hogan, uh, being the shrewd kind of businessman that he is, knows that Vince is probably going to want him back eventually. So he's being very diplomatic, not really trashing them, calling WWE his home and, um, uh, that sort of thing. So we may see them possibly Ryan, another fence that may be mended um, as typical at this time with Hogan and WWE, like they hate each other. Then they love each other, hate each other, love each other kind of thing. Yeah, typical. Um, Bret Hart's condition post stroke has improved significantly. So there's good news here. He got his driver's license back and is allowed to drive again. So good for Brett. As when I first started doing the pod, that was kind of first when things started getting rough for him. So good for Brett. Yep. Um, some TNA news. Vince Russo returned to TNA this week as an on-screen character, appearing under a mask as Mr. Wrestling 3 and hitting Ron <laughs> Killings with a guitar and allowing Jeff Jarrett to win the NWA title. Just to let you know where uh, TNA is, you can always listen to TNA Never Dies right here on the North-South Connection podcast network. Boom. Um, after weeks of hot lesbian action, gay weddings, and uh, necrophilia, <laughs> Vince McMahon stood up at a booking meeting this week and loudly declared that, quote, shock TV is dead and that it doesn't work anymore and they will no longer be doing it. So <laughs> see how long that lasts. Um, so this is – I thought this is a good one to um, – so uh, real quick, also we had um, a few guys you may have heard of. Uh, American Dragon, Paul London, and Michael Shane all worked dark matches at a recent TV taping. So Interesting. If you, if you were going to guess of those three, Ryan, who do you think may go on to be the biggest star, you would say? Uh, probably Michael Shane. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, he is Shawn Michaels' uh, cousin after all, right? Or whatever he is, nephew, cousin, some shit like that. Yeah, nepotism for sure. Right. But anyway, my final note, which is going to play into our shows, Ryan, is that WWE uh, had a recent tour in India that was not, well, was successful, I guess, financially in the crowds and stuff, but for the wrestlers, not so much. It was considered the trip from hell and had nothing to do with the plane ride. This trip was long and uncomfortable when they got there. They were shocked at the living conditions. 
Uh, the WWE stars were staying in a nice hotel, but outside the front door, they saw multiple people literally drop their pants to shit in the streets and people <laughs> living in gutters and filth. Several wrestlers got sick from drinking the water and eating the food with Lance Storm and William Regal so sick they couldn't work some of the shows. Booker T got so sick that um, as they were leaving that he had to be hooked to an IV and rushed to the hospital for dehydration as soon as they got back to the U.S., which caused them to have to rewrite some of that week's TV the shows were a big success in India, drawing large crowds, but most of the wrestlers were um, afterwards said that they would be fine if they never went back. So um, these issues will kind of plague these two episodes as we're getting to Ryan. So um, even if it's embellished, mm-hmm. you know, it's still pretty, pretty bad. <laughs> you know, sounds rough. Right. And as, yeah. And as we'll get to, like, it really does affect like Booker T is not on these shows. Um, you know, apparently they were a little short on guys here as we're going to see that these shows are a bit padded and do seem a little bit fillery, um, not to spoil anything before we get into them, but you could tell maybe that they had to work around a few, like raw for sure. I think you could tell that Booker T was missing. Cause I feel like he was going to play a pretty key role in this, but um, yeah, it, it kind of sucks for them. Um, Cause this is like Thanksgiving week um, that we're covering here. Just, you know, it kind of sucks for them to have Thanksgiving. You know, all these guys getting sick and stuff is yeah. is brutal. Oh, all right. But anyway, that's it. We'll dive into the shows now. We'll start with Raw, which is live from Charleston. So we're in the Carolinas this week. And we come right out of the gate with a match, which we don't always do, but we do here. It's going to be the Dudley Boys, the Dudley Boys proper, um, Devon and Bubba versus Jericho and Christian for the tag titles. Uh, so this whole thing. All right, so... Um, we get a hot, hot start from the Dudleys. They kind of fire up the crowd. They work in the double flapjack spot. Um, sick elevation on the back body drop by yeah. Jericho here. Uh, Christian did also, but Jericho was like, he looked like he was like 12 feet in the air. It was insane. Yeah, look awesome. Uh, but yeah, the heels are getting little to no offense here. But Jericho ends up sneaking in a roll up for the win. And it's so like this whole segment was about three minutes and we're thinking, well, that seems pretty lackluster for a, you know, the Dudley's first big title, um, you know, title chance after reuniting. Um, but after this, uh, Eric Bischoff and the newly appointed, what is he? I forget what he calls him. His like chief of staff, chief, of, chief of staff. Yes. I, I know he's chief Morley, but formerly Val Venus is now going as Sean Morley and he comes out to um, enforce the rules. He says that, um, I, I guess it was that he had the that both shoulders were down during the pin or something like that. So he's going to restart the match. So this is already weird because they never ever do these type of things. I mean, this happens in like every match that there's usually some bullshit, but no one comes out. But I guess they're trying to. But it, it's also weird because Bischoff is a heel, but then he's kind of screwing over Jericho, who is the heel. So it's kind of weird. Yeah, it's like they want to establish Chief Morley as uh I don't know, setting an edge or, you know, right. being enforceful or whatever. But uh, the first one was OK, you know, but then the next one was, all right, what are we doing here? But now seeing you explain, you know, that Booker T's hurt, a lot of rewrites. I get it, but it still doesn't really make an excuse for how kind of blah in you know, what weird it was and did affect the overall match, especially the floor. Yeah. And so, Right. So with this, so we kind of restart here. The champs take over. And so as the Dudleys controlled the whole, whole like, we'll call it the first fall, I guess. The <laughs> champs kind of take over. The heels take over and sort of work them over for a while. But then the Dudleys come back, hit the 3D. And then now we believe that we have new champs. But here Pretty comes. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah. The crowd was into the Dudleys, right? Like, so they they got them fired up. It was smart to have them come out first. But what the crowd was not very hot on is that, again, Chief Morley comes out. He says that Bubba was the legal man, so uh, Devon got the pen or something. And so that's not going to count, so we restart again. The crowd is not into that, obviously. And, again, this stuff happens all the time. So, um, like you said, Ryan, they're really trying to establish, I guess, Chief Morley's authority here, that he's going to enforce the rules, which is – you know, it's a strange, it's a strange like heel role because you normally think of breaking the rules as what the heels are going to do. So is he going to like mainly go after the heels? And so far he's, you know, kind of stuck it to the heels and the faces. So it's a weird, it's kind of convoluted. I think if you're trying to establish, like I get that they want him to be kind of like put over what his role is, but it's a very weird way they're going about it. I'll say we'll, we'll restart again. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I get it. It's doesn't this lead to like the Dudleys and him, whatever? Yeah, I, 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 right. I have to see how it goes. I honestly, I don't remember much about the Sean Mor the uh, the Chief Morley <laughs> run. If I'm being totally honest, but I guess we'll see how it plays out. Uh, so we go into our final fall here. We get the the Dudleys hit the what's up, and they go for the tables, which. I had to question their their. Well, you ha- you obviously have this guy like nitpicking every little rule. So I don't know if going for the tables in this match was uh, you know, the best decision given the emphasis on the rules. But uh, Christian baseball slides Devon while he's going for the table. So we kind of end up with Jericho and Bubba going one on one. But Christian is able to come in while the ref gets the ref doesn't see it. He's distracted with um, with Devon. The ref doesn't see Christian used the belt and. Bubba ends up submitting in the walls of Jericho. So kind of a, a weird finish too, because he gets hit with the belt, but then he still submits. It's not like he yeah. lost off the belt shot directly. Like does the belt shot make him submit easier? I don't know. That was kind of odd too. I don't think want him to cheat, but, uh, but yeah, you kind of alluded to it, uh, Ryan. It never really got into much of a flow because anytime things sort of got going, we did the whole start stop thing and I, I kind of get it. I just, I don't know if he really needed to come out that many times. Like, why not just have him come out at the end and maybe screw over the Dudleys when they go for the table or something? Like, it just kind of ruined. I think the different pieces of the match are okay, but it just never could really, like, um, you know, like, I thought it was a, a, not a very successful way to accomplish anything they're trying to do. Like, you want to get Morley over. You want to put heat on the champions because of the heels, but it really doesn't because it kind of, puts the heat on him because they cheated, but he didn't say anything. And I don't know, just a pretty lame way to do it. A lame first title shot for the Dudleys. I thought just, I, I feel like this whole thing could have been done a lot better to get to the, the ends that they were trying to get to. So I would have started a half on it. Um, definitely hurt by the weird booking of all this. Yeah, I went, I went to, uh, I thought it was really good action overall. And it was a pretty, you know, for the most part of it was a, it was a somewhat fun match and it was, Overall, fine, so it's two stars, but definitely had more potential if the booking and the structure of the match didn't get in the way, which it totally did. Yeah, or like I know what most people probably would say about this is why not just do two out of three falls or something? Why go through all this? Yeah, I don't think we needed Morley coming out that many times. I think if I'm he curious. just comes out the end, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm curious what the first draft of this show was. Is this really what's mm-hmm. happening, or is this a, a product of you know, having to rewrite a majority of the show, which what I, what I would assume. 
Right. And so, um, like you said, it sort of does set up maybe the Dudleys are going to have some kind of issue with Chief Morley, right? It's, you know, I guess yeah. he's like a, a B-level authority figure because they are, as we know, obsessed with authority figures. So He's the modern-day Adam Pierce. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the modern-day Adam Pierce. Amazing. Anyway, um, all right. So after this, we go to a recap again of Triple H's injury to let us know everything uh, – that happened to him, and we do not expect to see him again tonight, or at least we're told. The footage of him being taken away was, like, super grim, though. Like, they showed um, after Elimination Chamber him being, like, hauled down the stretcher. He has, like, a huge, uh, huge like, uh, oxygen mask on. It definitely looked, I mean, I mean, by all accounts, it was pretty dire. But when you see that footage, it really gets over how, you know, dangerous what happened to him was. Yeah, RVD, like, wax him, as you guys talked about two episodes ago. Right. Yeah. Right. And just trying to get over to us that he's, which wrestling logic would have it. If they're trying this hard to convince us, he's not going to be here. He probably will be. So we'll see. It was a little overhanded. Right. All right. We then head to Terry, who's speaking with Shawn Michaels backstage about his first Raw match in five years until he leaves to have a work with RVD. So that's a cool kind of, um, I, I like that framing of this, of it being his first match in five years. I thought that was pretty cool. And, um, but, uh, as this is happening, the tag champs walk by to celebrate there and there. Um, Jericho complains about Steiner costing him. Uh, I popped when he called him the big fat Rudy Tootie. That was a good Jericho line. And uh, they say that they're coming to give the women of Charleston some vitamin C. And uh, Christian says, yeah, it works because both of our names start with C, which was a good kind of good uh-huh. little flunky line. But, yeah, I thought this was um, funny enough. Yeah, this, is, this starts like growing up hard here you know i really like these guys together yeah this is like um i feel like this is the first time they've really embraced kind of the i guess like went more of the edge and christian route with these two because obviously jericho can do this kind of stuff but they haven't really gone this way with them much like the comedy route but i think it it works okay yeah um but anyway the dudleys on the other hand are livid because but bubba has a plan so they're obviously mad that they got screwed but they have a plan so we will see (laughs) what the Dudley's plan will be soon. Um, but before that, we get to a um, a match between Test and Stevie, who have been, I won't say they've been feuding, but they've had a conflict as Stevie has kind of been affiliated with Victoria and Victoria's been harassing, uh, harassing Stacy. We get footage of Test with his Indian testicles. So Test is apparently big in India here. Tons of footage of the fans <laughs> loving Test. And I have to say, um, Tess is um his steroid acne is um is certainly prominent. I have to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't say. But uh, Stevie tries to get going, but he's easily overpowered. Lots of big clotheslines from Tess. He hits a tilt a world. Stevie is able to get a little bit by hitting the low blow. He hits the X factor actually, but Tess hits a swinging like front DDT thing. I don't know if they had given this a name yet. But uh, he kind of does this swinging DDT move. I guess that maybe is going to be one of his alternate finishers here. But it, this was essentially a squash. Uh, the the testicle stuff is over for Tess, and they're trying to really get him over. And, and the whole Stacy thing is, but I find when he's in the ring, the crowd is not really like, even though it's him like crushing Stevie, you would think like the crowd would maybe pop for his power offense, but they're really not that into him in the ring, which is maybe an issue. Like, but I went one star on it because it's just a squash. But it's I don't know if it's he's really connecting with the crowd yet. 
Yeah, one star. One. I went one and a quarter. Uh, I did like Stevie's aggression earlier. You know, as that kind of like slick, sly heel trying to get on him. And Stevie was pretty aggressive in that too. And then I don't know Seth did all right in his baby. Fi- Seth Test did all right. And uh, I did like that finisher he had. It was kind of. I don't know, mm-hmm. Test as a babyface was actually somewhat interesting, like, in retrospect. But, yeah, the crowd was not having it. Yeah, I don't mind him in ring. I think he's got a nice, like, repertoire. And of, he's got some good power moves. He has a good he's look. fairly he, well, yeah. Right. He's got the short hair now. He's got the new look. It's just, aside from the Stacy stuff, it's just not... It's like they're they're into him when he comes out. They're into him when Stacy's out there doing the testicle stuff. But... It's like, as they say, when the bell rings, people kind of check out a bit. So he's still got a, he's still got a ways to go on that end. But it's like the, it's he, like the, his mm-hmm. stuff in between the moves are just never is never there. Like his his right. moves are impactful. It's just the in between, just total disconnect. That's test. Right. It's like a, it's a thing you can't really like put your finger on as to what it is that, like I can't always, it's like I can't even explain what it is as to why they aren't. It's just not hitting. I don't know. We'll I, I bet you looks good in training. <laughs> right, right. Maybe he could be the fifth uh, star that Linda's going to push on the, uh, on the uh, what's it called, the investor calls. It'll be <laughs> Sooner or later. Triple, right, Triple H, uh, Shawn Michaels, Scott Steiner, Test. Don't Test uh, and Scott Steiner become a tag team? So there you go. Boom. <laughs> right. Hey. Anyway. All right. So we head backstage again, and we see that the tag champs are out of the shower now. Again, they are ready to uh, to hit the town, to hit Charleston. And they call the locker room a bunch of losers, um, but they discover quickly that their bags are missing. And then the Dudleys pop out of a corner down a hallway and reveal that they have stolen their bags. And we get a chase, um, but they are unable to catch the Dudleys. So we will continue to track this developing story. But it, it leaves us with the, champ, the tag champs with... Uh, towels and their flip i love their flip-flops like every time i saw the flip-flops it was just like an extra little detail that i loved like them with their little shower shoes on <laughs> and uh christian telling hurricane he's a superhero and asks him why he didn't stop the dudleys was pretty good pop me back. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> after he just called a, they just called them all a bunch of losers <laughs> well you're a hur- uh you're a superhero why don't you stop them <laughs> <laughs> um all right, so Tess is with Stacy. He says that he's actually come around on testicles, so he's kind of getting on board with this. He and Stacy share a kiss, and then he leaves to go to the shower. Running theme, everyone's <laughs> showering on the show. Uh, but right as he leaves, Victoria grabs Stacy and licks the side of her face and says that she wants to taste. Uh, she wants the taste of fear. So more crazy Victoria here. A few things here. Um, right. Well, first of all, they're coming back from India where they didn't have running water, so of course they're going to take showers. <laughs> <laughs> or, or if it got in their mouths, they got violently ill. And uh, did you notice the HLA chants here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they knew what they were doing. Like, you know, this was this was them like being like, well, we're gonna have her be like this crazy psycho heel, but we got to make it, you know, at least somewhat sexual. Oh, I so didn't. Hate, I, is... I didn't. I did not hate this, by the way. <laughs> For the record, <laughs> I I um I'm into Victoria. Like I like the whole Her character works great. Yeah, yeah. Like she's really buying into the whole psychotic thing. But yeah, they were definitely going for a little sex appeal in this one. So so we'll see how that plays out. A lot of running stories here. But now we go to my uh, uh, my least favorite feud on Raw, which is Chris Lewinsky and Maven. So it, it shows you what they think of this that they would just. And as we'll see, it doesn't actually end up being a match, but just. 
that they've supposedly been building for this long with Al Snow and Nowinski and this whole Maven thing, and they just throw the match out there with it's just randomly thrown out on Raw with no real announcement or, or much build to it. Uh, Chris says the only reason that Maven won uh, tough enough was for po- was politics and the sympathy card because his mom was sick with cancer or something. So yeah, Nowitzki going low, of course. Uh, Maven comes out pissed. He jumps him. They kind of scrum and fight around until Chris knocks him with the book that he carries around, and we end up not actually having a match. So yeah, not you know not the most compelling stuff. I, this is still not really. F- Connecting with me, no shock here. It's not. It's just. This feels like complete filler. Trying to get Nowinski over. It's not. It's not happening. Maven is kind of dead in the water. I feel like at this point, after the injury, he wasn't going doing much before the injury. Now he's back. He's stuck in this dumb shit. I don't know. This is rough. I definitely like the idea of Nowinski better than I actually like the execution of Nowinski. Like a Harvard snob mm-hmm. that is smarter and better than everyone. You know an A-plus athlete with, like, a shit-eating look and a good look and whatever, but it's, the execution just never really f- falls on its feet, really. That's pretty yeah, much like, Nowitzki. <laughs> yeah, like, they never give him anything with any, like, ju- like, nothing he can really roll with of any kind of importance. Like, he's been stuck with, like, let's see, Tommy Dreamer, Al Snow, and Maven. Like, you know, they, they're really not trying to even elevate him to, like, a, a mid-card heel. He's just at the bottom of the barrel with like the lowest tier guys you can get. His matches are not impressive. It's just, it's not yeah. really much for him to. So, like, I'm with you. It's like, it sounds good, but it just doesn't. Probably it's not try, exciting. Probably trying to flush mm-hmm. him out and see what they got with him. I'm sure they like him, but it's just not connecting. Right. Right. Jericho backstage is livid about this whole situation. He's berating the backstage crew. And they stumble into the locker room and find three-minute warnings closed, call them hideous, and start trashing them <laughs> until three-minute warnings show up and kick them out. Um, so this was kind of funny because obviously three-minute warning have very large clothes and very, I'll call them loud clothes. Very, yeah, uh, loud's a great way to put them. Uh, Rico, too. Um, yes. But uh, I, I forgot about Ass Clown. And everyone's an Ass Clown <laughs> to Chris Jericho. And I pop for it every time. I, I used to call kids in high school ask clouds all the time wrestling fans are not and uh i totally forgot about it so i kept popping for that they were like why is this guy saying ass? where did he get this from what is an ass clown i rolled with it though yeah. I, i'm i'm not li- i won't lie to you i don't hate the them going around backstage looking for their clothes i know some people I think love this it. is like corny and stupid but i kind of i don't know i'm i would be lying if i said i didn't find it a little entertaining this is Brian Gerwartz probably at his best. All right. All right. We then go to uh, Victoria and Trish are going to have a match. This is a weird one because I didn't – I wasn't expecting them to just, again, just throw them out here. And this could be a matter of, hey, we need to kill time. We need something yeah. good or at least something that has some build or something to it to throw out there. But it is weird to have them out there right after they just had the big match of Survivor Series. You would think maybe – you keep them away from each other, or at least if you're going to have a match, you announce it. So a little weird. Yeah. But, uh, the clean mm-hmm. finish too, you know, it was kind of like, Oh, wow. You know? Right. But uh good physicality in this one. Uh, Trish gets like an early flurry, but she gets grounded pretty quickly by uh, a modified camel clutch by, uh, by Victoria. Trish is doing the, uh, the, the face selling thing as, as Victoria just lays into or throws her into the steps 
I found that get, this was a pretty long match. It went a good, like, I would say eight minutes or so. And I felt like they struggled a bit down the stretch. Like, it got a little meandering later in. Like, they had, like, you could see a few weird points where they sort of slow down. You could tell they're calling spots, yeah. like, see them communicating. And so it kind of, and it just felt like they were doing, like, just move for, like, move for move and not really flowing later on. And it just felt like they had almost too much time and they weren't really sure what to do with the last few minutes until Trish makes her comeback. Uh, Victoria wears her back down. And then, like you said, clean finish. She just wins outright with the widow's peak. Like just odd to let Trish lose. Who's like your, you know, top baby face and your, your top women star right now to just lose clean when she just lost at the pay-per-view. It's just, yeah, kind of weird booking just all around. Just to have this match out there on Raw with no announcement and then have Trish lose like this. Um, but yeah, I didn't think it was on the level of their Survivor Series match, which I really did enjoy. But I also thought it was fine. Um, it it just doesn't seem like they're putting as much thought into this feud as they were earlier. So I went two on this. It wasn't bad. It was totally fine. But again, I thought they struggled a, a bit as the match got like as it went on into the later half. Yeah, same. I went to um I thought the finish the actual finish of the widow's peak looked awesome. Mm-hmm. And um right. it was definitely more like there was definitely more flow of Victoria on offense and Trish Trish selling instead of when Trish trying to call spots and <laughs> Victoria was mm-hmm. like All right, they're just like you said it seemed out of place and seemed wonky but overall fine enough and you know for, for women's in 2002 pretty good. Right. It, yeah, it had good physicality. That was like the biggest yeah. thing. I, like even like in Survivor Series, they had the weapons and stuff, and and that kind of brought the the physicality. But this one, they were just kind of straight wrestling, and it's still, I think that's a strength of their feud. I just hope it doesn't, you know, it kind of seems like the the powers that be to take a WCW phrase. Uh, the powers that be are kind of not paying enough, as much attention. It's like the Survivor Series match happened, and now they're just kind of like, oh, well, we did that. Now we'll just throw them out there whenever we feel like we need something. It's, it's such a WWE crunch mm-hmm. to do that, you know, or whatnot. Right. It just, it's a bummer because they've done a good job of building this feud. I hope they don't just kind of let it peter out without any real blow off. So. Yeah, definitely the same energy as the Survivor Series, just obviously a different style, you know? Right. Um, she bites Stevie's ear in celebration, I have to say, so... Yeah. Yeah, and I called There's... it weirdly uncomfortable and hot. Yeah. <laughs> there you, <go>. you <laughs> envied envied Stevie in that one. Oh yeah. yeah. All right, we go backstage to see RVD and HBK kind of uh, rap with each other before their match. Sean puts over RVD's gifts, and he says that he reminds him of a young HBK, but he's missing one thing. And he then um, out of nowhere just slaps Rob in the face super hard, who and Rob fires back at him. Um, with an even harder slap, Sean smiles. So I uh, I dug this whole interaction. I like yeah. the slap. I don't know. I thought it was a cool um, kind of respect thing. It was a good interaction. It, it, I thought it was a good little face face thing for the you know the veteran guy. Even though I don't know how much older Shawn Michaels is than RVD, honestly, at this point, like I feel like he's probably not that much older. But um, I think it worked for what they're trying to do uh, for our face face match. Yeah, it definitely set up the structure for that we saw in that eight minute match. But um. Yeah, it was good. What do you call him? Stretchy when he walked? Hey, Stretchy, is that you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, Rob, Rob hit the shit out of him too. I mean, yeah. I'm sure they were. He was like, "Look, just slap the piss out of me. Like, don't don't hold back." And oh yeah, he fired it, so. right back at him too. Oof. It was yeah. good. 
All right, so we'll see that later. We continue back to Christian and Jericho. They're still wandering around, and Christian is starting to get worried about shrinkage. As he should. <laughs> he says the, gen- the general is going into retreat, <laughs> which is Great a good one. one. Uh, the Dudleys head out to the ring with their bags and start throwing their clothes into the crowd. And then we get, I didn't remember this until I saw it, but then when I saw it, it like came back to my memory full force. And it was the, the jar of ass cream that <laughs> they pull out of uh, Edge and Christian's. Right? I, I just love that it's a giant jar that just says, like, he's not calling it ass cream and then like has a brand name. It just says ass cream and like giant capital letters on the thing. Like ridiculous. Like. <laughs> It works, though, man. It works. <laughs> yeah, it's just, like, ridiculous, like, slapstick, like, goofy humor. But uh, and, and then I was trying to figure out, like, what exactly, like, is this, like, a, like if your ass is chafed, is it, like, moisturizer for your, like, I was trying to figure out exactly, like, what kind of ass cream this was. We could, Let's go with um, multi-use ass, ass cream, you know? You, you, right. First, if you get a little rough skin, and then maybe you want to get a little excited, you know, right. like, Right. Yeah. We'll it, ma- it makes sense. You know, these guys are, you know, they're they're out there part Shit. only partially clothed. Right. Shall we patent it? What do you think? 20 years later, you think there's a market for it? Uh, we could t- well, I feel like if if there was uh, Jericho and Christian, maybe have cornered it. We call know, it like maybe. ruthlessly aggressive cream or something. <laughs> ruthlessly aggressive ass cream. There you go. It's aggressive. It's aggressive on. Um, dryness on your butt cheeks. And then, crack, crack. Ruthlessly. All right, let's move on. <laughs> I, I was thinking there's there's one there's one that there is near me because I you know I live in Louisiana, so it's um it's called Boudreaux's butt paste, and it's like almost like what you put on babies or something, like if they have diaper rash. So that's kind of what I'm getting. It's that sort of thing. Gotcha. But anyway. For shaving, for so shave, for shaving. Multi, hey, again, multi-use. We got something here. Right. But Jericho and Christian, of course, are not amused. Um, Jericho says, my, and then he quickly corrects himself, Christian's jar of ass cream. Uh, that, was, that was good. That was good. Digging to their things. This is not right. They end up tossing all the entire bag into the crowd, which I would think this had to, I wonder if you could find this on eBay. The, um, the ass cream was in the Yeah. Yeah. Could you find the ass cream on eBay? And like the uh, the Jericho shirt, some somebody's got that. So Conrad probably has that this fucking trophy <laughs> case. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, but of course, while they are um, distracted by uh, Devon and Bubba, Spike sneaks up behind them on the ramp, pulls the towels down, and we cut to a wide shot. But you can see their ass cheeks um, even with the <laughs> wide shot. There was, um, I assume, they probably had like you know jock straps or something on but um you can definitely see their their butts so um you know they went now we see why they need the ice cream because they're gonna have to show their their butts to all of charleston yes i believe uh bubber's exact words were spike get the towels <laughs> right right yes yeah, so good reveal I, I and so this kind of gets us to this is the payoff for this but i think this whole saga that we've seen unfold I think it did work because of Jericho and Christian, kind of their comedy chops and their ability to like, you know, show ass, no pun intended in this, uh, this whole thing. And like they all, they had all the good lines, like good comedic timing. Like, I don't know, not many people in WWE. I feel like they could do it. Angle could do it. Not a ton of people they have that could pull this off, but I think they did a good job, especially on a show that's obviously thin and they need stuff to kind of fill up the show 
why not let them just go and do something silly? I'm fine with it. Yeah, this this whole thing is it worked out. I'm sure this was the rewrite, and I'm I'm not mad at that at all. You know, the the match earlier was a little wonky with the rewrite, but all this put together really made that first hour or even hour and a half maybe flow really nice for a raw in this era that you know has been hasn't been really living up to the hype. But um, I'm not mad at this at all, man. This is good stuff. Yeah, that's a good point. It did sort of glue that first hour together because obviously the in-ring stuff was, you know, nothing too much to write home about. So, yeah, and it pro- it led every commercial break coming back or going away, either one. All right, all right. We then go to our our weekly random Regal Storm match. So Regal and Storm are going to be taking on Jeff Hardy and the Hurricane. So a fun if random tag team. And this is. Not a whole lot to say about this one. Just it was like a fine few minutes of perfectly acceptable tag wrestling action by some talented guys going out there and just doing. The, the highlight to me was Hurricane getting the um, hitting the Shining Wizard, which looks sick. Like yeah, and uh, Jr. actually calls it, which I know is kind of. I remember reading about this at the time, like people making a big deal that he would actually say it because I guess they don't like to you know, call moves like this, but that he actually called it the shining wizard. Uh, but they actually, um, he ends up, the hurricane ends up taking the, uh, the pin, not the pinfall, but he takes the loss. He taps to the sharpshooter, which I don't know what the hell Jeff was doing. He just kind of let him sit in there in the sharpshooter and tap, which is weird. I don't know if he just spaced out or something, but, um, I went two stars, just a, a perfectly fine tag match for like four minutes or something. Yeah, I went fine. Rather boring. Not bad at all. I wrote, I wrote right. all I remember Hardy doing was attacking pre and post match. Uh, I, I mentioned the, the Shining Wizard, and I said um, I went star in three quarters. A come down from the comedy. <laughs> right, right. And I always like Hurricane. He all like yes. Yeah. He hits. The, he always gives you like a couple cool moves to remember. Like I feel like that was this thing. He's like, you know what? They're gonna give me a three minute match. I'm gonna go out there and do something. That somebody's going to remember. And maybe eventually this will, you know, elevate me because people are going to take notice and it'll get over, which it's always fun. Like Shining Wizard on this random Raw is kind of fun. Hurricane in this era is the ultimate Sunday Night Heat velocity wrestler. Perfect. <laughs> that is such a good, like, he really is. That's yeah. that's a good point. Because he always, like, even if it's not an important match, he always... That's always delivers. Point. Yeah, always delivers, like always memorable. And it's, boom, he's a good character work, too. Hurricane ages very well to me. Yeah, he's a workhorse. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, they knock out Jeff Hardy for good measures. Like you said, he didn't do – it's like Jeff was like, hey, uh, hey, Hurricane. It's like, Shane, I'm tired, man. I had a rough night last night. Can you just go in there and do all the work, and I'll just kind of sit on the apron? He's like, sure uh, enough. I got you, buddy. <laughs> All right, we actually get the uh, the Raw Retro uh, flashback, which I appreciate. They've been doing these more because it's the uh, 10th anniversary coming up, but they show, they actually give us footage of Sean's last match on Raw, which was with Owen, which is a, um, this is a huge match. I remember this being a um, a really good match, too. Mm-hmm. I think this is in, um, this is late 97, like post-Montreal, where you almost thought this was where they were going to go with Sean, that he was going to feud with Owen, and then, you know, we kind of got screwed out of that. But, um, yeah, I remember this being like a four-star kind of match. Yeah, wasn't this supposed to be D-Generation X, but they went with Shamrock, and they still owed Owen that match that right for the fallout. That's probably what I'm assuming. when I th- That's what I thought of when I saw this. Yeah, and it, it also was 
and I know like they they're mentioning and we're a few years removed for it, but I was kind of shocked to even hear them mention Owen on TV, yeah. even in O two here. It was kind of three years later. Me. Well, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because I for sure I don't think I mean, obviously I think to this day it hasn't really, you know, you know, they haven't totally mended fences, but for sure at this point, I mean, it's still fairly fresh. So that kind of I don't know, it surprised me that they would even mention Owen's name, but it's cool. It's also um, <laughs> the Sean you see in this raw retro is a different Sean than we're seeing here in O2. Like you could tell just by seeing him in this clip that this was a um, a man in a very different spot. We'll say that. <laughs> yeah. But, um, um, all right. We So we go to our next match. It's supposed to be Kane facing Batista. But instead of Batista coming out as flair, he comes out, just starts kind of trolling uh, Kane. Lures him out to the ramp, and of course, it was all a trap to get Batista the advantage. Batista sneaks him, uh, throws him back in the ring, and we start the match. Kane kind of survives the early barrage, starts hitting his signature stuff, the side slam and all that. But Flair is able to sneak a chair shot, and then Batista gets a powerbomb to end it. Another super quick match. Um, I ended up going to Star and Orion. Not a whole lot here. A weird spot for Batista, as they're, which this happens a lot when they want these heel monsters. Like they feel like he's got to have, like they don't want Kane to lose clean, but they want Batista to yeah. win because they're trying to to get him over as dominant. So then Flair has to interfere, but then it's like is Batista a monster if he needs you know old man Flair to help him? It's it's a weird, you know. I feel like you put him in danger of becoming just like a generic like. I don't know, swole up heel guy. If he has flair helping him, he has like kind of typical monster heel mannerisms. It's just, it, yeah, I don't know. It, it makes me worried that he could. Yeah, I went, become, I, yeah, yeah. Said mm-hmm. that. I go, mm-hmm. we put, we, we, they put over Batista three quarters of the way. That's exactly what I wrote. Is this, and then I asked you, I meant to ask you, is this the first time flair debuted with Batista? So I think it's, um last week so they did they did the whole like flair season backstage and he's like oh you know man you've been really impressing me and then like last week he comes out and so i feel like this is establishing like fully establishing that flair is almost like his manager in this role and kind of like putting it official that they're affiliated that he's going to be maybe the the muscle behind Triple H and Flair, maybe starting to form a stable, possibly, Ryan. Possibly, possibly. I, I said uh, I liked Flair's shit-talking attitude when he came out to, <laughs> with Cade. He looked like he had a rush, but he was pissed. And I don't know, I just I always enjoy Flair, good or bad. And then uh, was the was that Batista Bomb botched, or did he, was he sitting down at this time? It was very like WrestleMania 20, 24 Umaga-like powerbomb for this finish. Yeah, it could have been. I mean, he's still fairly new at yeah. this point. It could have easily just been he How kind of boxed it? a little bit, especially with a big guy like Kane. You know, I mean, Kane yeah. can't be an easy guy to get up. But yeah, I went. I went star in a quarter too. Just kind of, I wrote clunky and off. Yeah, it, the chair shot to me was the weird part. Like, I feel like him sneaking Kane would have been enough to like kind of protect Kane and just let him get the clean win. It's you know, I don't know if you want him to be. If he's a monster, maybe just let him win. I mean, I mean, yeah. who cares? They've sacrificed three- Kane anyway. <laughs> it went three quarters of the way with it. All right. All right. We continue, and we get more from Chief Morley and Eric Bischoff having a meeting of the minds. Eric wants Big Papa Pump on Raw. Morley says he can guarantee Steiner will be here next week because he has a connection. 
But before he could say what the connection is, we break in with the Randy News Network. Randy wishes us all a happy Thanksgiving. He's thankful for being a third-generation superstar. And he's thankful for all the doctors and nurses, especially the hot one, that have helped him um, on his road to recovery as he hopes to return soon. So that oh, is yeah. our RNN update. Playboy Randy uh, Randy Orton. I, I we weren't. I was a little upset. We weren't getting the percentage yet. I'm at 83 percent ready to come back. I, yeah. I was kind of hoping. So he did. He's done it before, but yeah, he left it out on here. He's too busy talking about like um, humble bragging about banging the nurse. So. <laughs> now, um, would you trade the Big Show for Sean Morley, <laughs> Maven, <laughs> Ivory, and Devon Dudley? Would you do that in real life? Um. Maybe this picture. I would put it. I would trade Big Show's wardrobe for. <laughs> they could have kept Big Show and traded his terrible wardrobe, and his um. <laughs> maybe if I could, could they? Uh, would we be able to like help Big Show's health, like as part of the trade? I, I would trade one of my superstars to make Big Show healthier and more physically able to perform. <laughs> I don't know. Ivory's about the size of his left leg, so who knows? Right. But that's the trade that uh, Bishop announces that he finalizes right before oh, you know, yeah. the segment. <laughs> He's Just like, completely, like, completely like them trying to like cover for it. It's like, why even bother, guys? Like, who cares? It's like we got some. I, I kind of I appreciate the 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 uh, the effort, right. you know, and I think it's funny that Ivory and Maven and Devon Dudley and Chief Morley got traded for the big show. I like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Just, just yeah, like, yeah, I, okay, I remember this now. Yeah, you, like, offhandedly just, yes. like, yeah, we traded. Ridiculous. Try to make four quarters turn into a dollar. You know, I don't even know if that's up. <laughs> right. I'd have to find, like, a sports trade that's equal. Like, he's got to figure out like, what the big show is. Like, you know, he's, like, um, he would be like an NBA player who was like was super good at one point, but kind of got out of shape. But it still like could maybe play like come off the bench or something. Yeah, but who's that like? Who's that rising star that this NBA team's gonna take a chance on? Devon Dudley. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, definitely. This ah, is like trading. A, yeah. It's like a quarter for like four pennies or something. <laughs> I thought it was interesting. I wish they did that more often though. That real sports feel. Yeah, buddy. Anyway, we, we get the most. <laughs> so before we go to our main event, this is the most filler of like filler matches I've ever seen. It's going to be Goldust versus Rico. Um, JR just goes full on like WCW JR. It's telling us about Rico's background in the Vegas police, um, that he won American Gladiators. Just giving us Rico's full biography. Just um, And this is where they actually reveal that Booker T is sick. So, <laughs> you know, maybe trying to let us know. Maybe this is why we're seeing Goldust and Rico. Because, you know, there's not many guys on the roster. Because they're the sick or, you know, tired from, um, from being in India. The crowd is completely silent. I think we get a boring chant, if I heard correctly. Absolutely. But we definitely get a clear Rico sucks chant. Uh, <laughs> They just fiddle fuck around for a while. Goldust wins with the curtain call. This was absolutely nothing. I I want a half star on this. Just not a lot going on here. Yeah, the I most filler of filler you'll ever filler. Yeah, I felt this. This felt like the longest match of the night is what I wrote, and that's all I wrote. I wrote <laughs> longest of the match of the night. It feels like three quarters of a star, I guess. 
And it's like these are both guys that are like not bad. Like Rico's fine in the ring. Goldust is is good, but it's just the 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 atmosphere was just crap. Like the crowd didn't care. It's not at all. It yeah, nothing. It was just waiting for the main event. So all right. So we'll head to our main event. So the big um again, I said this last week, but this is the first of what will become a trend in the second act of his career here is the HBK dream match. So we will see if uh, this lives up to the hype of what we'd expect, because like if you would have told somebody in like 97, like HBK versus RBT, like when he was, you know, ECW Rob, I mean, people would have been salivating at the idea of this. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, JR says that Rob has been a bridesmaid, but not a groom, which doesn't really make sense. I mean, I think he means a bridesmaid, but not a bride, but he says not a groom, which is a weird kind of, he kind of screwed up saying, but anyway, uh, more weird tights from Sean. He has some, you know, not quite as bad as the Brown. We got a survivor series, but it's like solid black. And it has like white rectangles on it that say HBK. Like, like, did he just lose all of his old, like (laughs) cool tights with the hearts on it? Like, Oh, I called it less offensive, less offensive. That's what I called it. Right. Yeah, but still not I don't know. It was it was strange looking on him. You're so used to the 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 hearts and sparkles and yeah. 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 He needs to get the seamstress back on it. I don't know. But uh yeah, so they settle on Sean kind of working the leg, really pushing that this is more of a Sean is more of a veteran now. He's working more of a I don't know how else to say like a veteran style, like not quite as like um, you know, I don't. I keep wanting to say flamboyant because Vince McMahon is like ingrained that into my brain from like 1996. But you know, not quite as much of a flashy style. Like more grounded. He gets the figure four. Some cool varied stuff though when he is working the leg. Like he pulls out a lot of cool stuff. Rob fires back at him with some kicks until Sean hits the signature flying forearm. He goes to the sweet chin music, but Rob misses it. All this stuff is real crust. They're really working well together. Sean hits the top rope elbow. Uh, Rob was able to come back and survive it. Hits a backbreaker. So again, going with that built-in psychology of Sean's back. Yep. He hits the frog splash to the back, which was a nice touch. He's trying to recover to get the pin, but here's Triple H. Um, so he is here. He pulls Rob, and we get the the DQ to kind of derail the match. So um, for what they had, I thought it was cooking pretty well. It just kind of got. It's like they were right about to go into maybe like the, the second act, I would say, or kind of pick things up into your, you know, really start heating up and the match kind of got cut off by Triple H. So, you know, you, the dream match doesn't really get the chance to really be what it could have been, which I'm sure for a lot of people at the time was extremely disappointing because, I mean, this whole show, there hasn't been a whole lot to get excited about except for this. And so to see it just kind of get, well, especially when they're like comparing it to the Owen match, which was great, and like his first match in so long, you would think even if Triple H is going to do this, let them have like a, a twenty-minute like you know TV classic instead yeah, of yeah. Did, did we? I was right. exactly thinking that mm-hmm. earlier. Did we need the fucking Rico and Goldust? Could we just go with the classic? Right. Yeah. Like I don't. I wonder what stopped them, right? Because they could have easily done the same finish and let Triple H come and, and cost. You know, or rob the match, but why not let them have a better match? Like, why not give them a bit more time? It's weird, but as it was, Ryan, I went two and a half. Yeah, I went two and three quarters. Um, I, I like you said, the story of RVD getting the best of 
he being quicker than HBK early on, getting the best of him with the strikes, the sudden strikes, the uh, the aerial assault, all that stuff, being quicker than him. And then HBK grabbing the leg, cutting him off, beating him down, taking away his his best features. So the psychology, the story, everything was there. It was definitely cooking, like you said. And then the finish was kind of blah, like you said, but the action was good enough to you know hover around three, but not quite there because of the lackluster finish. Maybe Triple H was like, didn't want him to have a better match for the RVD than he did. Probably. So he's like, nah, I got to gotta cut you off at eight minutes, buddy. I was just going to say, what was the timestamp? Nine minutes, eight minutes? Right, right. So he's like, if I give you any more time, you're going you're gonna to show me up. So because, yeah, because I, I agree. I thought they were working real well together. Rob is such a good, um, like, face. So when Sean is working the leg, he's selling really well. It's, it's mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame I got cut off. I was I was disappointed in this one. This is this is got Shawn. Mm-hmm. This got Shawn mm-hmm. Michaels written all over it because he knows the angle to close the show is Triple H with the steel chair in the back uh, on his back in the middle of the ring on what, like that side suplex or whatever or sidewalk slam. Excuse me. Um, so Shawn's obviously going to work his back. Not that he doesn't anyways, but yeah, this is mm-hmm. this says Shawn Michaels written all over it. Just watching it. Right. So like you said, he get Triple H after this, after the match ends, they kind of, um, you know, f- get some strikes back and forth. He gives Sean the backbreaker on the chair. Kind of to me, the whole point of this was to get over to us that the Sean Triple H feud is not over. So and that's kind of how we end the show. So. Um, so overall thoughts, uh, you know, the the India tour definitely put them behind the, the eight ball on this one. Um but this this was kind of a rough raw. It just felt a little disjointed. Yet a few bright spots. Um, the the Jericho stuff was fun, but a lot of the matches are just complete waste of time. Like not even entertaining from like a novelty standpoint, or like just fun to watch his matches. Just kind of boring stuff. The Goldish Rico stuff was you know yeah. that sucked. And just um and just to have the whole show built around this kind of dream match, only to have that kind of get pulled out from under you, like. Like, you know, to just be a mirage for Triple H to show up was kind of a bummer. So I ended up going four on it. Uh, you know, I think I've seen worse, but it was definitely a kind of a blah show. Yeah, I went five. Nothing offensively bad, just boring. Um, nothing very, very good either. But uh, I did add a little bit extra for the Jericho and Christian stuff because I thought it was excellent filler. But it was just filler at best. But So I would go five. Middle of the road, raw. Right. And... Yeah, if they, you know what, if they, if they just give us that that four star RVD Sean match that we all wanted, we're cooking, you know, buddy. we'd all yeah, we'd all go home happy. But yeah. instead, we got triple. We gotta go home with the heat, buddy. Right. Anyway, all right. So with that, we'll go on the SmackDown. So this would be I don't know if I mentioned it, but that was the November twenty fifth Raw. But anyway, this will be the the November twenty eighth O two SmackDown. We are still in the Carolinas. We are now in Columbia. We get a. This is like every every SmackDown lately. Is they start with a very long recap of everything that has happened with Brock and Heyman in the Big Show. Like, in case you were not, it's like a full on. Like if you're watching, like uh, you know, like a show like Breaking Bad or something, they give you like last week this happened. I mean, it's extremely detailed to where you could have not watched this in like a month and figure out what's going on with Brock and Heyman. For the record, it's three minutes and thirty seven seconds. FYI, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So quite a hefty video package to start. And then we get the, the the most random thing ever. 
So Taz, which the the reason is Taz has had some kind of family emergency or something. I like to think that Taz just lied to him and didn't want to work Thanksgiving. But the reason is that uh, Taz is, has a family emergency. But in his place is the cat. If you would have told me of all the people they would have had to replace him, like why the cat? It's so strange. <laughs> yeah, but I was a little excited. I'm like, oh, the cat. The cat is. Uh... It's probably a tryout, but he doesn't do much at all. <laughs> it's all it's about eighty percent Michael Cole, but we'll get into that. Right. I was pro- yeah. but I was upset we didn't get Taz. I'm like, oh I'm finally doing ones. I love I personally love Taz. I know. <laughs> and I was hoping so that sorry. Hook is all is okay at home, you know? Right, right. So <laughs> but it, like you said, we'll we'll get to it. But even the cat, you're like, okay, this could be fun because he's kind of you know he's jovial and fun. Yeah. Right, but as we'll see, I, and I don't know if he was just like afraid that they were gonna, or like they kind of told him not to go wild, but like it seems like they had the the leash on him, <laughs> not to you know the cat leash, but hey, I, it seems they yeah. reined him in. It seems the show the show was taped, so they could have edited a lot of it out, and Michael Cole just <laughs> double for it. It could have been terrible. You know, now that you say it, they, so I've noticed watching these like. The, you know, and, you know, paying attention to everything because I'm doing the pod. There are a ton on these SmackDowns where it's like obviously Michael Cole going in and doing like the voiceovers because you can tell when he's doing the voiceovers like in the post-production because it's always this weird. He talks much slower when he yeah. does the voice. Like it sounds like a video game. And so I did find out even 30 seconds here. So he takes his time. Yeah. Right. So like I feel like. um I felt like there were more of those in the show when I was listening. Like, I felt like he was doing the video game voice quite a bit on this one. So. Yeah, I like to see that raw cut version of the of the cat tr- doing a stick and Michael Cole just not having it. Right. <laughs> Vince screaming in the thing like, God damn, pal. <laughs> Tell Miller to shut up. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so. Well, I'm sad we mm-hmm. didn't get Taz. Right, right. I know. I'm so sorry, Ryan, because Taz is a gem. I love he that. is a gem. But so a lot of weird stuff. So we already have the India thing that we talked about on Raw. So the same things affecting SmackDown. We have Cat on commentary. This show is airing on Thanksgiving night, which is sort of could go two ways. It could be a cool, fun one like the Halloween one, or it could be one that they just mail in because they don't think anyone's going to watch anyway. So we'll see. Uh, but Stephanie heads out to start. She thanks the fans because it's Thanksgiving after all, and she pivots to Brock in the difficult decision as to whether to suspend him. Uh, he's to suspend Brock, but the wrestlers have to know that she means what she says. Brock comes out and tells her to tell him face-to-face if she's going to suspend him. Uh, Brock does this weird thing where he, like, aggressively corners Stephanie. It was almost creepy in a way. And then Stephanie says that Brock screwed Brock, so she pulls off the uh, the... The Montreal saying, of course, and then says he suspended indefinitely to big boost from the crowd. And so the whole they're really trying to give Brock this whole like rebel energy, like Stone Cold kind of thing, rebelling against the man. But I don't know if it really fits him. Like, like, I don't think Brock really needs this. Like he's he comes off as such a badass anyway. I feel like they're kind of shoehorning this on him. Like they're so caught up in this like ever since Austin, they try and put everybody in this like anti-authority babyface thing. And I just don't think Brock is the guy for it. Yeah, it's a weird fit. It's it felt forced down your throat, kind of, especially mm-hmm. later on. But um 
I definitely did notice the uh, the Montreal line where Brock didn't screw Stephanie didn't screw Brock. Brock screwed Brock. I was like, oh, I rolled my eyes and said, oh, geez. <laughs> and then it's a, a weird Stephanie turn, too, because Stephanie's been pretty faced throughout this whole GM right now. All of a sudden, and she even starts the promo being like thanking the fans. And then now all of a sudden she's like healing off from Brock. It's real. It's real abrupt. Well, in, in retrospect, it was that time of the month. We find out. Oh, so she had some mood swings, buddy. Come on. Good, good Lord. <laughs> um, also, we get, the last thing I'll say is that Brock also, this is also a weird, Brock tells security he'll use the nightstick as a thermometer when the security <laughs> comes out to, to to block him from Stephanie. Just like, why is he saying, this is like when they made Roman Reigns say all that dumb shit. Like, did, why uh, are you, this is like, this is not, a, yeah. yeah. This is coming back from the commercial where the, he was leaving the arena and then he said, give me a family. I'll use that. He goes, oh, you keep putting that nightstick at me. I'll use it as a thermometer. And I, and I was going to ask you, Jake, have you ever used a nightstick as a thermometer? But you beat me too <laughs> I have not. Yeah, the, uh, the, um, the old commercial. What was the commercial? Um, Mommy takes your temperature where? And they, like, the baby's, like, freaking out. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, that was like a uh, south thing, buddy. <laughs> maybe so but there was a commercial and it was you know because you want a thermometer i guess like old school thermometers to stick up your ass i don't know but luckily by my uh i guess by the time i was born that was not the norm we did the old under the tongue one but anyway hopefully it's not the same. Bit, right can you imagine with um with covid with all the uh <laughs> like when you have to go get your temperature checked like before you go in the office or whatever and they <laughs> had to do, do it with the uh anyway well, but yeah it's just the most accurate one i believe that's the way to go <laughs> right. all right let's move on anyway um but yeah a weird brock line like brock shouldn't be so that's not like that's not his character he's like a badass that stands at the top of the hell in the cell after ripping the cast off of you know the i don't know it just seems so forced with brock like i don't feel like that's a line he came up with that's got to be a line they fed to him I don't oh know. yeah that's written I don't like it. All right. We'll move on. All right. We had to, um, yeah, tag match. This will be our former tag team champions, Edge and Ray, against uh, Cena and Hardy. And, um, like, and then so even further with the last thing. So at the beginning of this match, Cole is taking Stephanie's side. So they're all out of sorts. But what's the, you know, like Stephanie was a face. Now she's healing. Cole's supposed to be the face announcer, but he's taking Stephanie's side. So is she a heel? Like, I don't know. It's like they can't figure out if they're coming or going on whether she's a heel and whose side to take. It's just real weird. Cat calls him a kiss ass, which was a good one. <laughs> like just it's like you're just sucking up to the boss, which I thought was good. Um, we get our Matt facts for the night. Matt thinks that Thanksgiving is boring. Um, and I what I forgot what the other one was. I just got that he thinks Thanksgiving is boring. I think the other one was about something with Thanksgiving too, but I didn't write it down. Yeah, I forgot to write it down too. Anyway, and Cena is now with his new pal, B-Squared, who is Bull Buchanan. So it, it shows that they had a lot of faith in Bull Buchanan, that they wouldn't just let him be Cena's partner in this match. They wanted Hardy to be in there. So they obviously, um, they must not think B-Squared is the greatest wrestler, or else he would just be Cena's partner. Well, they maybe want to give a little shine to Matt Hardy. You know, he did have that promo with Brock later, yeah. and they kind of been building yeah. him up. And to be fair, he kind of does carry... Yeah, that this team and throughout this match, but uh, cat calls Cena vanilla ice, so 
pushing the uh, Cena rapper thing. We the standard hot baby face start, which is always great for Medjin Ray. They are excellent yes. at that in that role. And then we kind of settle into the heels working over Edge, some solid action. And you know, to your point, like Matt kind of carried this. Like he had some really nice aggression, um, which I thought was good because through a lot of this, the the Matt 1.0 character has been awesome, but he is not. It's just his character. They haven't really made a much of a threat in ring. He's been more of a goof. I feel like this is the best in ring he's looked since he's done the character change. Yeah, like showing that he can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he can go in the ring. So may I, I hope they're even with the kind of goofy Matt 1.0. I hope he leans more into this in ring because he looked, you know, like he's been presented as good where everything else has been. You know, he's kind of fluked himself into some wins and gotten dominated. So it's good to see him look good in there. But um, uh, Kat again calls Cena tidy whitey, which is a good cat well, line. wearing white trunks in a way. So. Right, right. This might have been the best. <laughs> These are some pretty good cat lines. Maybe it was after this match, you're like, all right, tone it down, cat. Like, right. A little bit yeah. too much. Because after but this, he kind of. Uh-huh. Really right. He doesn't say shit. <laughs> right. Um Awesome closing sequence. Uh, Edge dives onto the rap duo outside, and then Matt catches Ray on the Rana and power bombs him and actually uh, gets the pin by using the rope. So, again, Matt looked good in this one, and he um, he actually picks up the win, which is good. And I'm glad because he has been taking quite a few. A, f- a fun tag match. Yeah. Edge and Ray, I think, always bring such great fire and great energy. Cena was totally fine in this one because he can kind of – just sort of blend in with all these good, all these, all the talent in there with him. So he doesn't kind of, you know, maybe his weaknesses don't show as much. And I thought Hardy looked really awesome in this match. So I actually enjoyed this quite a bit, Ryan. I went three on it. It was a fun tag. Yeah. Initially I went two and three quarters on my first watch. And then I watched it again today and I went three and a quarter. It's, it's really good. You know, Matt Hardy, uh, Matt Hardy definitely shines. I'm not really a typically, typically a Matt Hardy fan, but this version one is his, definitely his best best character to me out of all his hundred characters. Right. And uh, the power bomb to finish with the leverage or the rope that was a pretty sick power bomb. And I also liked how um, they changed it up and got the heat on Edge when they usually get the heat on Ray, and Ray got the hot tag, mm-hmm. and Ray's hot tag was excellent as you would assume. Yeah, they're great. They can kind of play both roles. They both they're like a they're like the perfect face team for this, um, you know, for SmackDown at this point. Like it's a good role for them as neither, you know, it's a good role when neither one of them is really going to be doing much individually. It's not a bad pairing. Now I have a quick SmackDown mm-hmm. six thing for you, mm-hmm. real quick. Do you think initially Cena was involved in the SmackDown six and it was Cena with Kurt? Like, this is back when he debuts, their idea of it. Mm-hmm. Cena with Kurt, because at that time, you have Benoit and Guerrero tagging together. Chavo's out, and then you have the Ray and Edge team. Do you think that was ever considered? Am I just talking to my ass, or am I just assuming things? You know, it's not impossible, because Chavo definitely is sort of a late, uh, you know, addition. And kind of, like, really, the only... <laughs> Chavo's really not much is not involved with it much until he starts teaming with Eddie. He's not really anywhere affiliated with these guys. So it's possible. I'm sure they would have loved it. Maybe they just thought yeah. Cena wasn't because it has been something doing the pod. Like you forget how, you know, how hot he comes in, but how much he drops yeah. Cena does. Like he comes in like super hot with the, the Kurt stuff. And then he does stuff with Jericho. And then he kind of just falls to the, like way to the lower card and it's kind of doing absolutely nothing. So it, it's, it's not velocity I, I, losing. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah. Right. It's it's real weird. Like, I wonder what was going on backstage that they decided to. It's like obviously something, or did they just forget about him? It, it's certainly interesting because um, he is like I would say to your point when he debuts, he's definitely positioned as more of a, a deal than Chavo is for sure. Yeah, doesn't say he, much, but yeah, he definitely and he and he's hovering around Kurt for a while for the first two three weeks. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I don't know if they scrap it and by the way what you lay out with him coming in hot and then him kind of just falling into no man's land that gave me the idea that hmm, maybe they had something there and it was supposed to be uh cena instead of chavo and because benoit and at this like i said earlier benoit and guerrero were definitely together for months and months until they randomly broke up and went separate ways and you had the Kurt was going to be in a mixed match team anyways. It just ended up being with Benoit, which was kind of forced together, but obviously worked. So that's kind of my whole thesis, bringing it all together, rewind, O2 rewatch that I had. And I figured I'd bring it to you because, hey, you're, re- you're rewatching O2 and I'd maybe strike a light bulb and you see what you thought. But Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a good theory. It, it's I don't know what it is because I haven't seen much about it, but... It definitely seems like something cooled them on Cena for a while. I don't know if they just thought he was bland or what the deal was, but and then I one more evidence, mm-hmm. yeah, one more mm-hmm. evidence case I has too. I have would have too is Heyman is the one calling up Cena from developmental. It's Cena and Heyman's the one doing the SmackDown Six, creating all that stuff too. So I don't, you know, I'm just putting it all together, and obviously Heyman seeing Cena as the next one of the nice big stars obviously that's why i took him on a developmental early and pushed him so maybe that's more evidence i throw at my case theory whatever you know right yeah this is a good un, un, good unsolved mystery right i'm yeah, not sure i'll it take it be, see what we can do right well i'll i'll bring it up to Heyman when i have him on the show i'll ask him <laughs> what's going on right all right i'll ask, Br- ask bruce uh on our next pod well you know i'll ask, <laughs> I'll ask richard Anyway, it's good. It's a good theory, though. I don't. I, I see where you're coming from because ah, cool. Thanks. He was he 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 was hot. He was definitely hot coming in, and they cooled on him for whatever reason. I don't know. Maybe Eddie Eddie was just like wanted his brother in there, and maybe lobbied for Chavo. Who knows? Seems no, like probably how Chavo. Not even his own brother. <laughs> He's a cruiserweight wrestler. He's like a mid card cruiserweight wrestler at the time too. You know. Maybe, they, uh, maybe Eddie wanted him because he made him look big. He's like, get Chavo. He makes me look like I'm jacked. That's a good case, too. Yeah. yeah it's It sounds like a B plan to me. <laughs> or I may never know. All right. All right. Uh, so um, Heyman complains to Steph. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Not Heyman. He, um, uh, I'm trying to think who is this. Um, Kurt comes in and... Um, Complains to Stephanie about losing the titles, and he talks about wanting to win the tag titles back. Stephanie then, as you said earlier, Ryan, says that her aunt Flo has come to visit. Kurt does not get it, and um, she's explaining why this is why she's been in maybe a, a bad mood. And like you said, maybe it explains some of her heelish tendencies tonight. Um, says she has PMS. Kurt still doesn't know what this is as a grown man. <laughs> um <laughs> And she says she will never bring SmackDown to um, to Columbia again. Starts trashing Columbia. Just weird. Stephanie on the show is so strange. Like, I don't know. I mean, I know the storyline reasons. They say, like, whatever. She's having PMS or whatever, which is stupid. But it's just so <laughs> weird. Like, this whole heel. She's, like, healing off on the town and all. It's 
I don't know where they were coming from with this, but this was this was all right, Kurt. I mean, he played it off well, but yeah. it wasn't my favorite Kurt comedy thing. This is, I mean, I have a high standard for Kurt, and this was it was just like he was dumb. He didn't know what PMS was, which was you know, it was fine. But Steph yeah, was real Kurt, Kurt has totally been better. WWE corny ass comedy has totally been worse. You know, that's what I wrote. <laughs> right. But I, I kind of like. I don't like. Obviously, Stephanie's annoying, but she's meant to be annoying. So I don't mind her, them going through the trouble of, you know, explaining it and then watching her actions throughout the show. So is it a happy coincidence? Hopefully not. And hopefully they kind of weaved it in and out and made it work because it's all right. It's just it was just corny how they deliver yeah, it. It's, it. It feels like they're just trying to quickly make her heelish to kind of go against Brock all of a sudden because they want Brock to be this you know, rebel anti-authority character. It all seems, it all seems very, like we said with Brock, it seems forced with this. It, it, her turn seems forced. Like why all of a sudden is she caring about, you know, Brock hurting people? Big Show is throwing people off the stage for weeks and she didn't really care that much. And now all of a sudden she cares what Brock does. It's real. It all just seems a little thrown together. Yep. All right. Uh, all right, Mark Lloyd believes that uh, Brock has returned, so he's staking him out in the parking lot. Uh, but it's actually Big Papa Pump who comes out the limo, and instead of actually um, uh, Mark Lloyd asks him for his comments, instead of speaking, he just flexes his peaks, which was a <laughs> great moment. I like how I'm not speaking, Big Papa Pump. Like it's just always funny when they try and talk to him; he just says nothing. Like um, at um, like at Survivor Series, he really didn't talk much; he just kind of beat him up and, and left, which was good. He has outstanding presence in presentation. He really I can't believe he misses. It's sad. Right. Like he's like him as a human being, he's just everything. And I mean, credit to him for coming up with this whole look with the, you know, like there are times when I look at him and I think of like old WCW Scott Steiner, and it's like this is the same person. I mean, besides the physique, right? He's always been jacked, but just like with the goatee and all compared to when he was like had no facial hair and like the, the mullet and all and the long hair. It's like weird that it's the same person sometimes. Like the transformation is, is crazy to me. He is so jacked. <laughs> it's he, he is, is um, muscles. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk about it in a minute when he comes out. But before this, we get a um, as we've seen on both Raw and now SmackDown, very random match. We're going to get Tajiri versus Chuck Palumbo. So I cannot remember the last time I saw Chuck Palumbo at ring. It was soon after the wedding, but uh, he's been off TV for a minute. Uh, Tajiri's kicking the, uh, to take the Owen Hart thing, kicking his legs from his legs. Uh, and uh, Chucky sweeps the legs and throws in the padlock. So the reverse Boston Crab, which is a pretty sick move. But Tajiri's able to get out of it um, and hit the buzzsaw kick to end it. So a quick little win for Tajiri for whatever reason. I went one star, and it was just kind of a match to put Tajiri over. And uh, Palumbo's padlock looked okay. Yeah, I wrote, eh, kind of dull, fine. I went star and a quarter, and I wrote, I'm going to steal that padlock as my submission move, because it was pretty cool. I'm going to add it to my arsenal of whatever. Mm. <laughs> it was pretty sick. Like, when he pulled that, I was like, okay, he's winning. Like, maybe they're about to heat up Chuck Palumbo again, but no, he got kicked in the face by Tajiri, and he lost. But yeah, not much. Just killed a few minutes as we do on these shows. Anyway, all right. Steph is excited to see Scott Steiner as she thinks he's coming to her office, but instead it is 
Um, the only appearance more random than the cat, it's going to be Fabulous Moolah, which I guess is a, a not uh, not that surprising. Apparently, she's from Colombia. I did not know that until watching this. But again, <laughs> Stephanie Barry's Colombia. I don't know if this is like some inside joke they had backstage or something, but she's just shitting all over Colombia, South Carolina. Was it I South Carolina? Vince getting into it with someone and whatever. Right. Like, I wondered if this was. <laughs> Isn't Vince like from the Carolina somewhere? I want to oh, say. Oh my god! Yeah, he went to uh, what's E Eastern Carolina or something like that. Right. University. So I wonder if this is like a weird like dig at Vince that they were throwing there, like to mess with him. I don't know. Like, it just felt too specific for them. It thought to be like some inside joke or something. I don't know. But or he hates his upbringing, so he wants to hammer home. Right. That it <laughs> right. <sucks>. Exactly. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, Stephanie, just weird Stephanie on this one. Weird Thanksgiving stuff. Uh, Stephanie says she's still dealing with her decision and is stressed. And she kind of makes an emotion like she's still talking about she has PMS. But she makes a match between Mula and a mystery opponent for tonight. And um, all I could think is this is not what we need is Mula in any sort of match. This is not. She was eager, is, though. Uh, <laughs> right. She is. And as they're going to say this later, but. Um, she was 79 years old here in 2002, which we are 20 years removed from. She looked every month of it, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. So, yeah, we're going to see Fabulous Moolah, just what we all wanted. All right. Mark Lloyd. This show is on. This is like SmackDown is usually so kind of focused and is such a wrestling show. And this one is just all over the place. We have Mark Lloyd accosting a scalper outside the arena asking <laughs> if he sold Brock Lesnar a ticket. But the scalper gets very defensive, denies it, and just takes off running. He's like, <laughs> is there, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't scalp tickets. That's illegal. And he just runs. Like, what? A, so many weird segments on the show. It was so random. I, I popped for it. <laughs> Mark Lloyd is uh, he's he's on his journalism tonight. He's waiting for Brock. He's interviewing the scalpers. Like, I wonder who this guy was. Did they just like find a random guy outside? Like, hey, you want to be a scalper on the show tonight? Oh, who knows? <laughs> might have been a real, might have been a real scalper. <laughs> anyway. Maybe. All right. So after this, we head to uh, Matt Hardy, who uh, speaks with Heyman. And he tells Heyman and show that justice is served. Speaking about Brock, he brags about beating Ray. And then Heyman kind of kind of puts Matt over, like, um, dishonestly, kind of just uh, kissing Matt's ass, even though he's obviously being fake about it. Good Heyman delivery, just being, like, yeah. kind of slimy. Like, uh, oh, yeah, Matt, you're so great. Uh, maybe one day you'll get a title shot and all this stuff, like, buttering him up, even though he doesn't really give a shit about Matt Hardy. Yeah, I write LOL Heyman for Heyman. LOL at Heyman just because he kind of steals it. And then I should write Big Show, Jesus fucking Christ, the worst. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are we? Oh, is, did he have the, like, the, sh the big and tall shirt and tie? And this, oh, uh, it's just a hot mess. And then I write uh, Matt, ver version one, Matt's still the best Matt. I write it again. <laughs> he, he looked, the Big Show looks terrible. Everything, his, his clothes, I say it every show, but it's like, yeah. Every time you well, I see it, it up. Movies, <laughs> now, would God, you call him like, a bad-looking substitute teacher, or is that an insult to bad-looking substitute teachers? He he does. He looks like he's from like a different era. Like he does not look like he's from 2002. He looks like he's from like 1972. Like yeah. I don't know. His fashion is terrible. A weird haircut, weird handlebar mustache thing. He looks like he can barely breathe. Like it's it's not good. He clobbers each buffet in each town. It looks like. 
<laughs> and he looked, maybe he kept up the smoking because he looks like the smoking um, giant from WCW because <laughs> he, like I said, he just looks like he's like huffing and puffing constantly, like he's struggling. Um, anyway, who, who looks a lot, uh, Tori Wilson looks a lot better than Big Show, and she tells Kidman that tonight we're going to have a Pilgrim fashion show and she's going to be in it. And it will allow her to get uh, closer to Dawn Marie, who she's trying to get revenge on. Uh, she calls him her friend, which I was just thinking, oof, rough, <laughs> rough stuff there, Kidman. But uh, t- this was just awkward. I don't know, it's just like Tori and Kidman talking to each other. Yeah. And Are they divorced they both... this time? I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah, I don't Yeah, I don't know. But it was real weird. Like, they were both awkward on the mic. Like, Kidman's trying to be, like, weirdly charming. And it just, I don't know, it was all awkward. It was weird. Yeah, Poker hotness. I was like, oh, my God, that's so <laughs> It's like a... Uh, it's like a uh, Wayne's World line. Good to see, yeah, but delivered with zero charisma. Right, right. <laughs> good to see Billy Kidman has still has zero charisma and no presence. And then you see him glancing at Tori's ass as she walks away. It was so it's such a bad segment, but it was it was yeah. ugh, whatever. It was so Billy Kidman. Yeah, like weird, like steal your girl, Billy Kidman, like trying Poor to throw his, his lines out there and stuff. Or like cucked Billy Kidman. Take your either or, you know. <laughs> right. Just weird. Another weird segment. All right. But we then go on to our um the aforementioned fashion show that Cat Cat is gonna be hosting as this would normally Taz's role. But um yeah he, uh, he says uh, he's like Pocahontas which <laughs> popped me. Uh Tori is dressed as a stereotypical like Native American, like Thanksgiving Native American. Dawn is, I guess, a pilgrim, and it's not the most elaborate costume. She's kind of just wearing black and white. It's not really much pilgrim to it. Like, uh, uh, someone comes out in the turkey costume. <laughs> the, the The music for the turkey was the most ridiculous shit I've ever heard. Like, if I could find that, I have to put that in the show. So I have to edit that in the show somewhere because I don't know how I'm going to find it. I don't know what you call it. It's just like this generic, like. Like it was absurd. <laughs> it was absurd. I could. I was dying listening to this turkey music. Um, uh, as this segment was dying. <laughs> right, and so um, Dawn's making seductive eyes at the turkey, and so of course the turkey takes off his mask or whatever his uh, head to reveal that it is of course Al Wilson. Al gives a very serious speech about thanksgiving he says it's all about family it brought us together his angel tory and his bride he's so delusional like why does he think he brought his family together tory hates her she's been very open about that she hates dawn marie and thinks she's evil but he just comes in and says it's brought his family together it's actually done the opposite i don't know what world al's living in and then the the cat kicks him out of the ring which is great And he turns it into a strip show. (laughs) Right. And so um, Cat turns into a a strip show. Dawn flaunts in the ring. We get, of course, I should mention behind us, of course, we have a a table full of food because it's Thanksgiving. So we get a food fight. Um, Tori punches Dawn. And then she takes a pumpkin, like, off of the table that has a really creepy, weird face uh, drawn on it and sticks it on Dawn's head. Yeah. And then she leaves and... um, she hugs Al while she had, Dawn hugs Al while he has the turkey head on and she has the uh, the pumpkin and it's just 
this weird it's up backwards <laughs> yeah it's just, it's just you know what all this like i did not mind on a holiday show you know what i'm fine with all this nonsense it, it was story I uh, my favorite spot is when Tori threw the apple pie at Don Marie's ass and she sold it like she got shot. <laughs> <laughs> like That's where it turned to to electric for me. I was like, oh god, she stole she sold an apple pie to the ass. All right, let's go. Uh, that was the tipping point. It, it was an it was an incredible segment for all the like. I'm okay with this absurdity. Like when he came out with the turkey music, I was just like, all right, what is happening and then the, here? And then the serious speech was just like, okay, this is <laughs> this is working. Serious serious speech is completely disconnected from his actual reality. It, it's about family. It brought us together. It brought my family together. My angel. It's always so weird too. He calls Tori his angel. He's such a creep. God, God bless his soul. Oh my goodness. Anyway, so there's our um there's your token ridiculous, you know, Thanksgiving food fight. All right. And so with this we will go to a very serious wrestling match, which is gonna be uh Bid One Angle versus the Guerreros. Uh with the uh Bid One Angle looking to regain their tag team title. So real quick, super um like a whiplash of uh tone here as we go from uh, that absurdity to this serious title match. Uh, slow start, lots of tension between Angle and Benoit, but I still like the way they're doing this. It's not, it's still a lot more kind of, uh, how do you say this? Like subtle, I get not really subtle, but not as over the top as you usually see in these kind of angles. Like there's tension, but the, all the tension is about who's going to get the glory. It's not necessarily yeah. that they can't get along in the match. It's that, you know, they both want to be the one who wins. So it builds that, that, that angle builds up through the match goes and you know that, like, yeah, we're cool. We're cool. We're cool. And then as the match comes to a close, that's when they start going for the glory. So, yeah. Right. And like they, they're kind of, like you said, they build it through the match. Like they do the Germans. They're both trying to one, one up each other doing the Germans. And then as they're doing that, Eddie and uh, Eddie and Chavo just try and sneak away with the titles as they're arguing. Kyoto's not having it. He demands that it's not going to end on a count out, sends it back in. We reset. But all of the hoopla is enough for kind of um, Eddie to get the advantage and kind of lock up Benoit, and the heels get the advantage for a while. Um, they continue using, um, you know, the typical Eddie, the the Guerreros kind of sneakiness. They do like false tags to kind of keep the advantage, and so finally Angle gets the hot tag, and he just goes completely ham on everyone. Mm. Awesome stuff, just cleaning house. He uh, Eddie, it's a low blow, but Angle uh, Eddie low blows the ref, but Angle survives, and it. Um, it looks like they have it wrapped up, but they can't decide who's going to finish. Benoit Angle can't. And so they take the ankle lock and the cross face on simultaneously. But when Kyoto recovers, he does not allow it um, because they're double teaming. So Angle shoves him off. And as he's arguing with the ref, Chavo hits a frog splash on Benoit. But Benoit is able to kick out of it and survive. Eddie goes for another, but Angle runs in and does his top rope belly to belly on Eddie. Angle argues with Kyoto about who's the legal man, and then Chavo sneaks in the belt shot on Benoit, which allows them to pick up the win. So um, I like that they changed up the story here. It wasn't quite the same as we've seen in these matches with these two teams and Edge and Ray and stuff, as in it wasn't just like full balls-to-the-wall action like you usually see, but sort of in a good way. Like it was more about building the drama around the partners and how they don't know, like they're fighting over the glory. And then Eddie and Chavo, like using that to get just enough of an advantage 
to kind of sneak away with the wins yep. and like using their like the same way they won the titles, basically like be nefarious, you know, let them argue with the ref, wait for your chance to cheat and then steal the title. So I enjoyed a good bit. I ended up going three to quarter on it. It was different than these matches, but it was a nice change of pace from what they usually do. Yeah, I went three and a half. Um, like you said, the Guerrero's finding their angles, surviving throughout the brutality of Kurt and Kurt and Benoit, and then like looking for their angles to get the upper hand when, while cheating. I had a uh, had great story, good action, and great work rate. Uh, and this is the match where the cat said absolutely nothing, and Cole did eighty five percent of the of the talking, pretty much. All right. So it just seemed like slow and filled in and with the way you said edited back. But um yeah, this is this is good. This is definitely match of the night so far. Right. And it and it's like they sort of tell the story that Angle and Benoit are better. It's just they yeah. can't they're just not a team. And Guerrero the Guerreros are like brothers and work extremely well together. And that's kind of the edge that they need to to maybe beat a team that's I mean, more talented than I mean, definitely been one in Angler more talented than Chavo. It's just the both, you know, watching these shows back to back, you you know, each show with the tag team title match has a restart, (laughs) different angles, different ways to restart it. But both of them having a restart, a little annoying, obviously stuff like that's not needed with these guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a weird thing. And I kind of. Get it's funny, like you get the funny moment of them trying to sneak away, but I don't know if you need to go full on like having Keo to tell them to come back, like yeah. stopping the match and restarting. Yeah, I agree, a little weird, but um, yeah, definitely um, the best match on this show. We continued the Angle Benoit thing, the the conflict between them, but good stuff. All right, but um, we now head backstage. We see uh, Scott Steiner. He runs into Nidia Noble. Um. Uh, Noble talks about uh, talks about Steiner, kind of puts him over. Steiner again says nothing, but as he walks away, he slaps Nitty on the ass, and Noble's pissed off. <laughs> so he heads up to the ring after the commercial. He gets a great line where he says, "You only touch my girl if I want you to," <laughs> which is awesome, <laughs> given given their history of him um, letting other people sleep with his girlfriend. Uh, and then Big Papa Pump comes out, and this was like you said earlier, he is Jack. When he comes out here in like the full arena lighting, his veins are like, like I was like, do they call him Big Papa Pump because he's about to pop? Because he is just, his veins are just bursting. He looks absolutely insane. Like it is ridiculous, even by his standards. But uh, Noble then tries to show him his peaks. Of course, he is a cruiserweight. And is, uh, has no peaks compared to Scott Steiner. He gets clotheslined for his trouble. He gets press slammed. And they, um, then Steiner goes to his typical routine, his catchphrases. Uh, but still doesn't pick a show. Um, he said he's not really worried about picking a show. He's going to dominate wherever he goes. All he's here for is to flex his peaks and please his freaks. <laughs> and then he, for one last time, he aggressively grabs cups sexually assaults Nidia's ass yes. on the way out. <laughs> right. This was, uh, yeah, Big Papa Pump, not the most, uh, <laughs> you know. Um, PC. Yeah, in that, yeah, right. In that sense, he's uh, very entitled. We'll, we'll put it that way. But, yeah, it was just, Noble was great in this. Just a great, you know, you know, showing ass to make himself look like a goof to make Steiner look good. It was awesome. You only touch my girl if I want you only touch my girl if I want you to. It was an incredible line. <laughs> Great delivery. 
Yes. Fun, fun interaction that I would maybe not have remembered. Yeah. That that is a fantastic line. I, I <laughs> <laughs> All right. Jamie Noble is beautiful. He's incredible. I love him. All right. Yeah. So Steph is approached by Heyman. She tells him he has to fight a championship level opponent, meaning Big Show does. I should say not Heyman. So he's going to get a championship level opponent. So we could maybe start to guess where this is going to go. But before that, similar to what we got on Raw, before we get to our, uh, well, in this one could be quote unquote main event, we're going to get a random match between Crash and Kidman. Um, this was a real strange match because Kidman is our cruiserweight champion newly. He's kind of beginning a bit of a like kind of a push going, but this is like him just completely getting his ass beat by Crash for like three fourths of the match. Like Crash power bombs him on the barricade, which I thought was like a wild bump for the situation for just like a throwaway match. And like I said, Crash is dominating him. It's like I find Jeff Hardy is like this too when he has singles matches. It's like Kidman has no. It's like all his matches have to be him selling in the first part and kind of being the underdog, no matter who his opponent is. Like, even though it's Crash who hasn't wrestled on SmackDown in like months, we haven't seen, <laughs> should not be a threat at all, but he's getting dominated by Crash. Just kind of a weird, like Crash is pulling out all kinds of shit in this match too, like Bulldogs, Flapjacks, like I said, the, the power bomb on the barricade. And then after all that, Kidman just like comes back and gets the shooting star press and wins. And the cat says that he taught him that, which is a, a good line. But yeah, I, I would start and a half. It was, you know, it was entertaining. Like the crash stuff. Was, I mean, he did some cool moves. It's just weird that Kidman's the champ and he's just selling his ass off for crash. It's just an odd, oddly done match. Yeah, I wrote totally fine. A star in three quarters. Good stuff. Yes. Or what it was. This was a, or what it was. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a barn burner. Like you said, it was a little weird, but it was good. Kidman Kidman's much better in ring than with anything mm-hmm. else. Right. Exactly. Oh yeah. Light years above his his polka hot hotness or whatever comments. <laughs> but I hope um, he wrote that th- line. Mm-hmm. I hope he wrote yeah. that line. Yeah, this was the point in the show where I mentioned earlier, but this is where I was really like Cole has sounded like a video game announcer the whole show. Like and I, I think you're right. I think they must have added a lot. I don't know if it's Ernest Miller going off the cuff or what it was. I also felt like he was lower. Cat was lower in the mix. Like, I felt like I could barely hear him when I was watching this, even when he would talk. I don't know if it's they did that or he wasn't talking loud enough or what it was. But even when he would talk, it was like he was he was super low, like in the background. It was odd. Yeah, maybe they brought his volume down because he was so loud. <laughs> Cut his mic. <laughs> him say it's him saying he taught him the shooting star was great though. Like, no, I don't cat, know if I've ever great. seen the cat. I just don't think commentaries is lane. Right, right. He would be like a third man who just throws in like a one liner every now and then. A much better book. And like, yeah, yeah. And he has like he has nothing. He knows nothing about what's going on. <laughs> there's there's also we haven't talked about, but he has this running thing they do the whole show where as the show goes on. Cole's like, yeah, you watch. They, they obviously are making fun. Like the joke is that he probably has no idea what's happening on SmackDown. It's like, yeah, you watch every week. He's like, I'll watch it twice every week. Then later he says he watches it three times a week, and then he says he watches it four times a week. He records it, he watches it a fifth time. Like it I just think he keeps said he going watches throughout the show. Get a shit in. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So, in a very fitting on this very strange show, we get Moolah coming out for her match, and at this point, it seems. You know, pretty obvious where this is going. 
Uh, it's Heyman and Show come out, and Moolah is going to be Big Show's opponent. So <laughs> your main event, technically, on paper, is going to be Big Show versus Moolah. For I guess for I don't know if this is non-title, but she hides behind the ref as Heyman is uh, saying that they respect her and they just want to say Thanksgiving to her and that they're not going to do anything. And then he goes completely psychotic. And but unless she wants to be Brock Lesnar, and if if a show looks at her like she's Brock and it goes on this weird tirade about Big Show pretending like she's Brock Lesnar, he grabs her like he's going to choke slam her. But Brock comes in and makes the save and F five show to the table and then gives Chase to Heyman up the uh, ramp until the cops come out and, and block block him with Stephanie. And that is kind of how we end the show. So. Yeah, not the most exciting end. I did not see need to see Mula <laughs> involved in the main event angle. I have no idea why that was needed, but here we are. Yeah, it was, I don't know, it just didn't fit. It was mostly dumb and plotting and just bad TV, really. Brock's, you know, Brock attacking Big Show was kind of the only positive there. And then you get Stephanie at the end. With the four security guards. I kept looking at the security guards too. I couldn't find one that was that became a wrestler. So that was kind of sad. And uh flat way to end SmackDown. Really. Yeah, like I just don't need I don't need Stone Cold Rock. Like he's a different yeah. character. That's not him. We don't need him fighting off police. He doesn't that's not his character. It just seems so forced. And like came and came off as like almost cartoonish with all this stuff about unless we pretend like she's Brock Lesnar. It was just not payments <laughs> best. It's, it's just I don't know what stuff really, if you think about it. Um, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even Brock here. Why can't he just be a physical? Why does he have to go stone cold route? Just be physical gas kicking Brock. That's his lane. Yeah, it's. I hope they move away from this. It's not what I want to see from him. He was on such a roll, and in SmackDown, like as we wrap up the show, it, it's weird. They've kind of you still see the the touches of the you know what they've been doing on SmackDown and kind of the tone they were going for with the tag stuff and Angle Benoit and all. But all of a sudden, it seems like they're really going more with the the kind of raw style of the ridiculousness and Brock with the cops and you know, Bula coming out and all this. Like, it's just, like, the last few months, SmackDown's been such a good, straightforward wrestling show with good, solid angles, like, awesome wrestling. And now, all of a sudden, it seems like it's getting weird and, and you know, going more in that SmackDown route, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah, they're, they're getting too cute. They're getting too cute. Right. And, like, meandering, it's just not, yeah, it's, you know, in this one, you know, it's probably not all their fault because... You know, this was a male dead one between it being a holiday and the India stuff and all that. And another thing about this is just so much Stephanie on this show. She yeah. was all over. Usually she doesn't bother me on these, but this was just too much. She usually is not super involved either. She's more just like making the matches and everything. But this one, it felt like it, it felt like them doing the like, you know, when in doubt, rely on the McMahon's thing and just have her all over the show, which kind of sucks. Yeah, I'm surprised she had so much time. She, not, you know, changing her tampon and all. I can't believe she used that head <laughs> right. on the show. <laughs> right. You think if she in such a terrible mood, right? Then you just keep her off the show. But yeah, yeah that shit, that shit was dumb. Yeah, just unfortunate. They seem to be on the downswing. So I am. I think I'm gonna go. Really, a lot of it is on the back of that tag. I think I'm gonna go similar to Raw because I think in a lot of ways they were similar kind of shows both kind of had the same 
like I, I'm trying not to dock SmackDown too much because it has been so good that because they had a bad one, I don't want to dock them too much. I think I'm going to tie with Raw. I'm going to go four out of ten. Yeah, I went four point five out of ten. I think Raw should get it this week just because of you know the better flow. You know, it was rewritten, but better flow. It just this and like even the Raw ending was kind of. Argh. But this ending was just super, uh, you know, this was, this was an aggravating end, ending. And Raw kind of sloping up slowly, and this mm-hmm. is just sloping down slowly. So I don't know where it's land, if this is the first time in a while, but I got Raw above SmackDown. Yeah, yeah, as we go, so we can get into the awards because this would be our first one. But I, I would say, yeah, I, I think the better show this week probably would be Raw. They were close, but I think... I think what hurt SmackDown too is it felt a lot off. It felt off without Taz on commentary. A lot yeah. of it seemed like it made it feel real canned. And they had a lot of even more with the holiday, the filler stuff with the, you know, <laughs> you know, it didn't it didn't flow quite as well. It seemed a lot more thrown together. So I, I'm with you, even though I gave them the same score, I'd probably give the edge to Raw this week. Um, so if we go to a uh, best match, I have the uh, SmackDown tag title. Match. Agree. Three and a half. Yep. Um, best moment. If I'm going to go legit best moment, I think I'm going to go with the RVD Sean like slapping each other. If I'm going to go for ridiculousness, it's going to be Al and Dawn Marie hugging each other while wearing this, <laughs> the pumpkin and the turkey. So <laughs> there's my two. <laughs> I went with the uh, the whole thread of the uh, Jericho and Christian moments. The whole okay. ass cream and the whole towel reveal and them just building like, shit talking the hurricane and chris christian being like well if you're a superhero why don't you stop him just all that into one and i thought it was that should be the moments of the month or of the week excuse me gotcha um lvp i think i'm actually gonna i'm not really totally his fault like part of me is like should i go al but i i can't i feel like i'm lying to myself if i get to al because he's ridiculous but i'm always entertained by how ridiculous he is you can't go out no no I, that's what i mean it's like i feel like the logical part of my brain is like no you should probably give it to al I'm like no no my heart says no i can't <laughs> give it to al um, i think i'm gonna go maven he's returned and like no one cares yeah he's not living up to that future prospect of that trade unfortunately but uh i'm, <laughs> go- <laughs> I'm going big show he- he's the world champion <sighs> on smackdown he's just he's not doing anything bro Heyman's covering all his stuff on the mic even when he's his presence is just lackluster and everything he's just i haven't been able to shit on him you've been shitting on him so i'm taking my dump on him now big show <laughs> lvp maybe the show he's kind of pro- he's champ right he um he, they can't let him allow him to cut a promo because if he says more than 10 words he might like um pass out <laughs> get winded or something right so no that's a good one always a good he's, he's threatening you know elderly ladies it's uh yeah he's it's it's like they used him to get it off of brock and transition but now that we've transitioned we need to quickly move to something else because yep. yeah As, um mm-hmm. go ahead no uh, mvp i'm gonna go with um i think i'm gonna go uh, I'm between Sean and Angle. I think I'm actually going to give it to Sean because he was, I think, I liked his promo with RVD in the back, and I liked him in that Raw match. I think he carried it well, and I think he kind of brought the um, a little bit of star power to Raw. Yes, uh, I like that. 
I was gonna. I was going. I had three. I was gonna Sean, Kurt, Kurt. I didn't go with it because the backstage segment was like B minus mm-hmm. Kurt material. But uh, I ended up going with Chris Jericho with the he the bumping and feeding with the Dudleys, making them look very good, even with the wonky uh, structure of that match. And then just him throughout the night, he always delivers those lines. He's just comedy gold, really. So I actually went with Jericho, <laughs> and I'm not even a big Jericho fan. All right. All right, so we'll go to our top five, and I'll kind of match you on that because I did have Jericho in my top five. I also um, – I'd probably go Angle too because he was really good in that match, and I, I think he was fine in the, the Stephanie PMS thing. He's just – I think even with that material, Kirk can only do so much with that ridiculousness. Um, I gave Matt Hardy a shout-out because I thought he was awesome in that match, and he picked up the win. And um, I'm actually going to give it to Steiner because he is <laughs> – Anytime he's on screen, he is, you know, it is engaging, right? Like he's, yes. you are kind of captivated by him. So I gave Steiner some love. Um, and I think I'm going to go with uh, Ray also. I always love Ray. He's so fantastic in those, in any match he's thrown in on SmackDown. Yes, I went, uh, I actually, I have Steiner too, because he's woven between all shows. Um, and a lot of Jericho, next Jericho cut a promo on him too, which is going to lead to, something maybe between them so i didn't mm-hmm. want to leave that out on. I, I left that out on jericho's mvp case so what weaving in steiner i went with him i went with matt hardy also because he, he's just excellent in the backstage promo after his match and in the match he was really physical and really sharp and c- carried his weight for the team i went with um eddie guerrero also because he carried the weight mm-hmm. of his team and then i went with christian because he was a supporting actor to um to Jericho all night, and I went with the RVD slash HBK for putting on a, a good match that was, you know, the best storytelling match of probably the two. Mm-hmm. You know, Kurt and you know the, tag, the SmackDown tag had the best action, the best work rate, and all that stuff, but RVD and HBK put on the best story in ring. So that's those are my uh, best five performers. I would agree. Now maybe you know the the coup de grace of all this, Ryan. So you have brought in a special ranking here, as you explain to us, um, you know, because you have done your own watching of 2002, and you have, aside from the Raw and SmackDown, you have the deep cuts. Tell us. Oh yes, I have watched at the end of July. I I stopped watching 2002 because I I, I finished it, and. Um, so pretty much each week I would watch SmackDown, Raw, the best, or I'd find a ranking, I'd watch the best highlights from them, and then I would watch a Velocity and a Heat. So I wanted to give uh, some love to Velocity and Heat, those C&D shows of the WWE. So I went through all my rankings and I grabbed the top five matches from Jacked, Velocity, and Heat all in one. So coming at number five from the April in April edition of Sunday Night Heat, I have Eddie Guerrero versus D'Lo Brown for the Intercontinental Championship. I went two and three-quarter stars in that classic. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then I have, um, from October, early October 2002, I have Billy Kidman versus Doug Basham in a tryout <laughs> match. Doug Basham. And believe it or not, it is three stars. It is a very good match, and it's 12 fucking minutes. And it's wow. Billy Kidman at his best. It is Doug Basham like bumping, feeding, and he's like, in, I don't think he's wearing leather pants, but he's wearing something, and he has, <laughs> and he has fucking hair. But um, yeah, it, it's 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 legit good. It's three stars. Um, 
Coming in at number three is Steven Richards versus Matt Hardy from early August Sunday Ooh. Night Heat. Uh, it's just really crisp. Um, it's strong, and it's well worth your viewing pleasure. And then these two matches are legit very good. Coming in at number two is from the debut uh, episode of Velocity for the Cruiser. Uh, nope, not the Cruiserweight Championship. You got Billy Kidman versus Tajarian in a two and three quarter star match. Oh. Yep, that's a good one. They they gave time. I believe it was the opening match, and then it was like a uh-huh. bikini match, and then they had like a good draw for the final match or whatever. But uh, yeah, this one, you know, it's it's. I remember being around ten minutes or so, and it's three and a quarter stars. It's great. Well, it's not great. It's 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 bordering very good. And the in coming in from Velocity, um, in a SmackDown rematch, in a mid June, two thousand two, Kurt Angle versus Hardcore Holly. Three and one quarter stars. <laughs> oh my goodness! It was the main event. It was oh. built up, and it was. Um, they had a. I looked it up. They had a two and three quarter star match on, like a week or two prior on SmackDown, and then they had an angle on SmackDown, and then they blew it off on Velocity a week later. It was. It was good. It was a very good match. So those are your top five Heat slash slash Velocity. Not really Jackson medaled batches of 2002 i figured thanks for letting me do that i appreciate that <laughs> incredible i enjoyed it thoroughly i can tell you if i was turning on uh velocity in 02 and kurt angle was on it i would have been pretty damn excited and um all these are on youtube on under the name hello Riched. h-a-l-l-o-r-i-c-h-e-d give him some shout love. out shout, shout out shout out Shout out, Shout out, man. He uh, he has thrown these all off his VCR onto YouTube and converted them. I was so uh, curious. I found him on Twitter and asked him. <laughs> <laughs> and I've talked to him a little. He's a very nice guy. Look, it's very important to archive these things, but that is incredible. Yes. I honestly do. It is kind of fun. Like, because you get the random matches and you also get, like, the bummer all of these is even even like on Raw and SmackDown, you might get like kind of a fun pairing, but they're never going to give them enough time. If it's if it's weird enough to be interesting, it's like they're not going to give them any time, which is a bummer. Like but on Velocity, would you like some honorable mentions? <laughs> yes, the more obscure, the better. Uh, the Hurricane versus Crash from September, two and three quarter stars. Randy Orton versus Billy Kidman on Heat. Um, it might have been Velocity. It should have been Velocity. Oh, no, excuse me. Or it says Heat. It might be Velocity. Two and three quarter stars. And uh, DDP versus Lance Storm for the European Championship in March <laughs> week one. Two and a half stars. That's some uh, obscurity right there. I'm getting the idea that the um, the Velocity kind of key ranking is is two and three quarter stars. Yeah, it's it's kind of just their formula. It's very these here's the thing. You watch a bunch of these in a row as I did. It's very formulaic and um like you got to be really good to shine in this formula. It's like a modern day you know main event or 205 live or whatever. Right. It's it's a C show, but it's you kind of got it's formulaic for sure and then if like if you're like a really good WWE wrestler and you have a really good opponent like a Hurricane for instance, you're going to shine. Right. You're going to get a touch above solid, like a, yes. a little sprinkle above just a solid match. That's, That's that is incredible. Sure. But I'm telling you, man, you got to watch this, this Doug Basher match versus Billy Kidman. <laughs> that is the one I'm most intrigued by when you pulled that one out. That's the one I have to watch. Yeah. So 
everyone listening, go check out uh, that YouTube page and find these um, the very best of Velocity. And so, um, uh, when you are not watching uh, Velocity matches on YouTube, though, right? You have a uh, excellent preview podcast that you do on the North South Connection. Uh, would you like to tell us more about that? Yeah. So pretty much each month, we uh, I grab a a random guest from the network and uh, or a buddy of mine, and I kind of just dive into what's been going on in the WWE for the last three or so weeks, three four weeks, whatever it's been between pay per views. We, we uh, hammer out all the storylines. We hammer out how intrigued we are and kind of what's going on. And then we do a little spinoff. We talk, uh, you know, c- well, contracts are hot and heavy now because there's two promotions that are hot and heavy. So we talk contracts, where our guys going to land, where our guys are going to go. Uh, and then we kind of pl- – I like to have a game or two, like um, in uh, October – I mean, excuse me, in November. There wasn't much to talk, to talk about. So I had Scott Shiflett on, who you had last week. And um, we just – we fantasy booked WrestleMania 38 and we, uh, we did it before survivor series and we kind of for 42 minutes, I believe we kind of dove into the card and we built a card and we had a little give and take and we built the card together and saw how it shook out. And that's probably the best feedback I've gotten on a podcast. And then last, the last episode was the, the war game episode and I had Logan on and we kind of just looked at NXP NXT 2.0 versus what was going on with the black and gold brand. And then we kind of just said, see where they shake out. And those are going to be kind of interesting podcasts to go back and listen to in a few months or years, even to see how it shook out. So I like to do a game within, you know, the structure of previewing a pay-per-view because no one wants to listen to a current day product when, <laughs> you know, there's so much similarity week to week and, you know, what am I going to be like? Yeah, they wrestled on Raw this week, and then they wrestled on Raw the next week, and now they're <laughs> one and one, and now they're having a pay-per-view match. Like, come on, that's right. the formula. So we do our best to make it fun and, and, you know, interactive and play a game. And um, so, when Logan, around this time, we're going to have a um, – I'm going to have my buddy Mike Eller and my buddy Mike Rossi, and we are going to do – we're going to steal the end of the – we're going to do an end-of-the-year show, and we're going to steal the Observer Award format – and we're going to do AEW, WWE, and other for those formats for under the Observer format. So that's going to be the uh, the No So Network special for this month because there's no pay per view. Excellent. I think it sounds like a, a perfect thing to listen to if you also kind of want to maybe prepare for the pay per view and not watch 40 hours of the W of WWE TV that goes into it. So. Maybe it gives you a quick primer if maybe you are, like I think a decent amount of people may be at this point where they just kind of try and catch up and, and tune in for the pay-per-view. So that is awesome. I'm doing a great job, very detailed. I think it's a good pairing with um, Viewer's Choice that you catch with Marcus and Tim where they kind of yep. delve in after the pay-per-view. So you listen to Ryan kind of get you up to speed before the show and then um, uh, Tim and Marcus will kind of um, recap the pay-per-views for you. So Good pair, um, just like all the other things we have on the North South Connection podcast feed. So, yeah. But uh, thank you, thank you for coming on, Ryan. Um, it was a lot of fun. Um, I think even though you maybe didn't get the the cream of the crop of shows, I think they were at least like interesting in a weird way with the um, kind of some of the nonsense we got to talk. It was a more WWE sports entertainment side of show than a WWE like wrestling show besides the you know the stuff we went over but we made the best of it as always and you know thanks Jake for having me it was a lot of fun
Of course. And so I'll try and cherry pick next time we get you on one that maybe has a bit more um, to dig into on the wrestling side. But again, thanks for coming on. As for me, I will be back in two weeks as we continue down the road, as we get closer and closer to wrapping up the year 2002 that I've been in for quite a long time. I'm pretty excited about it, but um, I will see you in two weeks with more of the Ruthless Aggressive Podcast. So see you later. Here's a Christmas story that you probably didn't know. Like most Christmas stories happened long time ago. In a renovated double near Broad and St. Bernard lived a fat little hippie with some livestock in his yard. There was elves in and out, a refrigerated van. People thought it was a daycare or a snowball stand. Been a bunch of tenants, been a bunch of years. But Santa and his reindeer used to live right here. Save a save time, spend a lot of dimes Rain and eat a lot of ices in the summertime Working through the rain, through Betsy's hurricane Wasn't just playing no reindeer game Flintson went to McDonough, Rudolph went to Colton School It was rough being reindeer, for reindeer was cool There she went to Warren East and Donna went to Sacred Heart She didn't make the dances, but they meet in City Park Porch in the front, yard in the back Still got toys in the attic in a sack Signing on the sides, washer in the rear Santa and his reindeer used to live right here Deliveries on the streetcar, it was only seven cents. They needed something bigger for a bigger operation. Doing a lot of Greyhound, waiting at the station. They were looking at a four door Oldsmobile. Instead, bought a sleigh out the news on wheels. Added power steering, added power brakes. Had the sled painted red at Facto Bay. It would magically propel, but park parallel, but Getting sleigh towed away. Okay. You know where they went. Okay. You know it's cold up there. Okay. You know it's in the middle of everywhere. I wanna make it plain. I wanna make it clear. Santa and his reindeer used to live right here. Porch in the front, yard in the back. Still got toys in the attic in a sack. Siding on the sides, washing in the rear. Santa and his reindeer used to live right here. Porch in the front, yard in the back. Still got toys in the attic in a sack. Siding on the sides, washing in the rear. Reindeer used to live right here Porch in the front, yard in the back